the man who was in last place at the end of lap one comes home to win the Sakir Grand Prix. Sergio Perez, wow, what a race for him and for racing points. Yes, Checo, P1, yes. <coughs> Lance P3, Checo, Lance P3. Oh. guys. So stay ahead of the guys if you can, Checo, stay ahead of the guys so you can line up properly when you come in. Good job, guys. Luis, asegúrate que, que Checo está viendo la carrera, por favor. Hello and welcome to another episode of Really Grid. As always, I'm your host, Matt. I am joined by Jashan, who I do not have an intro for this week. Um, yeah, I've just been enjoying some um, some Zupa Dupas, some Seltzers. I'm keen for some Formula One today. Thank you for that random tidbit. Mm. Well, we've got my current um, fierce rival this week. Spencer Hudson's here. Checo did a shit job. He did a shit <laughs> job. Shit job. Oh, such foreshadowing. Grazie, grazie. And uh, this week's show... Jashan enlightens us as to the most underrated flavor of Zupa Dupa. Spencer mm -hmm. and I um, get in a virtual punch on about Sergio Perez. Shit job. And we all agree, yet again, for about the ninth week running, that Alex Albon fucking sucks. Mm. All that and more on this week's episode. Alex Alboff. That's the Alex Alb, get the fuck out of here. Hey -o. On this week's episode of Rear of the Grid. God, Fairy Floss is an underrated flavor of Zupa Dupa, let me tell you, that shit is fucking tasty. Cool. Right. But agreed. Oh, no. That and more on this week's episode. <laughs> I'm really great. <laughs> Ready to go? Uh, mate, that better be the intro. <laughs> Alright, so here we are, back for another week, this time in review of the Sakia Grand Prix, which, um, under-promised, over-delivered, can't ask for much more than that. Mm. Don't know about you boys, but just with a potential recency bias coming in, I think for me... But I'd put that probably my third favourite race of the season behind Steery or behind, or maybe maybe fourth behind the two Austrian races and Monza. Mugello as well was good. I agree, but I thought this was better. It was debatable. That's why I said it was... I haven't thought moody. about it. I haven't this race is fucking shit. <clears throat> Sorry. Excuse me. Repeat yourself. This race was shit. Shit, you say. Do you Spencer's? Shit. Turns out Spencer's the one with high standards. S-H-double-I-T. Double-I-T. Sheet. 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 Well, we'll, start with, we'll start with Spencer then. Spencer, why was the race so shit? Well, to start with, McLaren shat the bed. We'll <laughs> Not a valid there. reason, but continue. And then the one, the one time in my life that I go for Mercedes and they end up looking like a Ferrari. Okay, okay that doesn't make the race shit, but I do, I do agree. I do agree. There were some fascinating results, of course. 
Our boy. An interesting podium, but um. Our boy George Russell has made a deal with the devil. Well, he's only he's only the boy of two of us here. But if we start from the start, as we are want to do on this show, free practice, one. free practice one. Thoughts? Oh, I thought free practice one, which we actually did have on the television because we are avid fans. We are. Um, I watched it. Some people did some laps. They did the laps very quickly. It was like, wow, this takes no time at all. Um, I think Matt, no, George won. George topped yeah, the George first two was, free George practices. Was top, George topped FP1 and FP2. And I think Max topped FP3, but FPs aren't that important because nothing happens in them. But qualifying was a very interesting time. I don't think I don't think there was any notable scalps in um, Q1, although neither Williams could make it through, which was, you know, I'm sure they would have possibly been hoping at a track like this they could have snuck someone through. Maybe old Nicholas Latoyfi. <laughs> but um, Q2 claiming the first sort of notable scout. I think Vettel missed out if I remember correctly, but more notably Alex Albon could only manage P12. Oh, and Lando was only 15th. Yeah, yeah, he had dramas. Um, and then he took a grid grid penalty for, I'm guessing, a gearbox change, but that is... Um, it was an ICE change as well. An upgrade on... Um, but yeah, yeah there, there was definitely something up with him in that qualifying because he was looking at the times now for yeah. P... Oh, sorry, for Q2. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with a track that was... I think it was something... Uh, it was like point, <clears throat> point 0.7 seconds, I think, like split uh, P5 to P16 or something like that in Q1. And then Lando ended up a good... What does it say here? Uh, point 0.8 tenths or 8 tenths off of um, Carlos Sainz. He never got a never seemed to string a proper lap together from memory. Um, no, and I think he might have he might have missed he might have missed his final go around. Um, I believe he did. But yes. then I think that was something where yeah, once they realised that, I think that um, you know, as I know from F1 2020 and F1 2019, uh, <laughs> once that ICE starts going up into the seventy percent worn, you're uh, you're going to have some dramas with power delivery. Yeah. So I guess they uh, decided to to cop the change. Um, Bit of a weird one. Um, if it was maybe I didn't really read too much into the um, engine allowances and the parts for this season, but to put a whole new ICE unit into that thing for effectively one like one one race and then one more race weekend, um, maybe that's just McLaren just obviously trying to double down for the um, uh, the third spot in the constructors uh, championship. But maybe I don't know. Like obviously they did really well last week, but if after qualifying, you're happy to put a new ICE in. Wouldn't you have put that thing in before the weekend started? I mean, as I think, you're, you're probably not going to put that. In. You're not going to put. You're not going to put that in if you qualified fourth on the grid. But when you're starting fifteenth, you might as well, you know, drop back to night, drop back to nineteenth or whatever it was. He got past those, and as it, as we'll touch on, he got past them all in the space of four corners anyway. So it didn't really harm him. But of course, um, Q three rolled around. Obviously, the session that matters. Um, first runs were very exciting. Charles Leclerc delivered probably the lap of the weekend. Charles Leclerc. Um, Stonker. One of the laps of his career, Stonking I think, to be said. The fact that I don't think I've ever seen... I'm not sure I've ever seen... Uh, like, I mean, apart from maybe... Yeah, no, I've seen guys do one run in Q3 before. Like, I've seen Alpha Tauri's or, back in the day, Toro Rosso's sneak their way into Q3 wait while everyone does their first runs and then just come out for one lap at the end and that. But I've never seen someone go out, 
put down a lap on the first run and then just go, right, I'm going to get out of the car. There's no way I'm going faster than that. Um, how good am I? And it got him, what, mm-hmm. P4 on the end, which was very impressive. Yep. Um, and a good half a second ahead of battle. Absolute worldy of a lap. Uh, and then we saw, you know, just if we thought it couldn't get much better than that, George, Valtteri and Max decided to put on a bit of a show and I believe in the end was split by less than a tenth of a second. Um, yep. Which is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, so Bottas with a... 0. 0.02 to, between yeah, Bottas zero, and George? 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, three cars like running a lap like around it oh, and then to see how close they were like coming finish. over the finish line like and the thing is as well I think on the Max's like top lap as well um, coming out of the last turn he had a just a just a hint a teensy little hint of wheel spin yeah. and he had to do the old left right left right on the steering wheel and you know he still put in an awesome lap but when you're dealing with like you know times that are that close well, I mean, you have to wonder because I know the, the memory the, from his reaction yeah, he, he well, I think because um, Red Bull's thing, they they knew that they didn't have the they came out early in the weekends, or Christian did and said that they didn't he didn't think they would have had the pace for the weekend. So I think for them they were really hoping to get you know, and you sort of we'll get to it, but like you saw the the opening bit of the race, Max was as aggressive as always when he actually gets the car off the line. I think they were hoping that they could have got Max out in some clean air early on, just let him go to work, um, and with the What's the word for it? I guess the um, the rarity of a race like this being so short, that with that DRS system being able to pick up those back markers and get that DRS happening sooner rather than later, um, that don't look like Red Bull strategy. But then, of course, going back to Q Q two, um, is that Albon couldn't even get out of there, um, and I don't even want to try to guess the stats, but I don't think he's been in Q three as much as he should have, oh, and being point point one six seconds. 0.16 seconds off of the racing point. Although the racing point has some speed, I would have expected, you know, Albon to at least be ahead. You, I mean, you expect them to be ahead of Kvyat and Gasly because he's in the AlphaTauri 2.0. Um, and then I guess as well, Leclerc getting into Q3, that's another car that wasn't normally there. Um, but it was like, you know, the the timing of it was a little bit, crap for us because it was I think what one or three o'clock in the morning so I just watched the I watched the qualifying um, and you know skipped through some of it the next day Um, but it was I I thought it was a good session because normally like you know when it's like Monza like there was a lot of drama this year with the Monza qualifying because all the cars sort of constantine it up so I thought that might have been the case here but it seemed that like the I don't know if it's just the because F I guess maybe maybe it is a wider track than Monza, yeah. Like Monza is a pretty yeah, I, I, pretty, pretty narrow. Sure a pretty wide track, and there's plenty of runoff. Because um, F two was very chaotic. They all just seem to insist on coming out at the same time as each other, wanting the same bit of track, getting each other. Like someone would be on a hot lap, the others would be in cool down laps, they get in each other's way, and eventually Mick Schumacher ran into Roy Nassani, which at the time was like, oh god, this could have serious championship implications. Um. We didn't really get that in F F um, one. Obviously, it should be noted George Russell's undefeated streak against his teammate has come to the end. 
Mm. Although I don't think anyone you know, can certainly hasn't dented his reputation as Mr. Saturday, considering this is his first time on it's frankly having a competitive teammate and being in a car that he wasn't equally familiar with or more familiar with than the teammate he had. And you watch, obviously, he led the practice sessions, but those didn't mean much. But qualifying, Bowtree had him measured in every session, but he just crept his way club. We watched that. Those three runs in Q3, I think Bowtree is up by over two tenths over him, just under two tenths. And then the last run, George put it within 0. 0.026 something. 0. 0.02 seconds. Which is nothing. nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all that's a thing. Yeah. Like, the tiniest... That's not even necessarily like, oh, if George doesn't make this mistake, if the wind blows fractionally different at one quarter in that lap, potentially George has edged him out by point zero one himself and has pole. So yep. George is continuing his incredible um, abilities on Saturday. Um, that, of course, brought us to the race. And for the second straight race, Bahrain decided to be a bit mad. Um, obviously, off the start, as you said, George, George got a brilliant start, which I think, honestly, as a George Russell fan... Is that the first actually like good, like noticeably good start he's had oh, all season? He had the high ground. I swear, it's, how good was Martin? I'm Martin Trumbull, Bundle stopping a Star Wars reference, but I swear most of the time it's Latifi who launches himself forward, and George either George is right at the back. He maybe gains a couple, but he he seemed to because he's moved so far up in qualifying this season all the time. I swear he almost always loses yeah, or sure. just stays the same. Oh, he's he's had very taken by Gio and K Mag most of the time. King Indeed, he's very, very few like real like ah. Oh, because I was a bit worried about that. I was like, I think starting is actually George's yeah, biggest weakness. What, you're, what you forget is that Valtteri Bottas is shit on the starting line. Yeah, but it, it wasn't. Didn't say I was worried about Bottas. Yeah, that was like, well, is he going to get front, sw- right. is he going to get swamped by Max and others? Yeah, well, like, not when Bottas squeezes the fuck out of Max. Well, that's and just, not when Charles Leclerc decides to go for a bit of. Well, a mate, game. calm down. We haven't we haven't even got past turn one yet. Stop getting ahead of yourself. It's only what turn three, mate. You need I'm to get, get off by two turns, mate. mate. If you can't control rein yourself in, you're going to have to step qu- away from this podcast. There's a quote I had. There was a quote here by uh, Max Verstappen on the uh, on the start there. Where uh, read my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he kind of just. Yeah, Charlotte Claire was to blame because he was too aggressive well, coming in the inside line. But Valtteri squeezed coming off the start, which is pretty normal. Which says all you need to know about Valtteri Bottas. Is yes, because Max Verstappen doesn't... If you actually think that's him criticising, and if it is him criticising Valtteri, that just continues to show what a flog Max is. But well, it is obviously him criticising Valtteri. But everybody does that. Did that's you what you do. Race? I did watch the race. Did you watch Valtteri Bottas' start? Yeah, I'm not saying... Was you it just a good be... start? I'm not saying it wasn't a bad no, start. No, it was a terrible start. No, 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 but he... Like, okay, you can get a terrible start. Squeezing a driver so they don't get past you, that's the whole point. It's fucking racing. No, no, We're no, trying no. to the beat The point them. is that he got off to a slow start and then compressed Max a little bit, so Max couldn't be as aggressive as perhaps. Oh, but Max, okay, because Max cannot talk about good starts. Max is one of the worst starters in this Yeah, sport. yeah, sure, sure. I mean, you know, you can be the reply guy, but the point is in this race... Which is the race we're talking about. Yeah, Matthew, if you do not control yourself, you'll be asked to stand down from the podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> please ask me to stand All down right. from the podcast. I've been angling for that for weeks. It's going about as well as my tank. Um, yeah, Charlotte was it, had, had a bit of a dive. What I was more thinking about before we get to that, was it Raikkonen that spun coming out of turn three? Yeah. Because before we even got to turn... That's what I'm saying. We've got so many things that happened before even turn four. Because, mm. um, yeah, someone spun off in the back, and it was a little bit of a, oh, God, here we go again, as there was a car just swiveling around in that, you know, 
look down the um, front straight from turn four. Um, and then, yes, in the run-up to turn four, Bottas, Bottas also um, yeah, held, his, held his off line around Max and then had a bit of a moment coming through three, which caused him to check a little bit. And then that just, yeah, Max sort of closed up with him. I think Daniel was as well. And Charles, Charles did, and Charles went to look to the inside. Oh, sorry, Checker was there as well. Checker was up. Yeah. P3. And, yeah, so we sort of ended up with a three-wide between Max, Checker, and Charles. Well, Max and Checker were two-wide with Checker on the outside. And then mm-hmm. Charles put himself up the inside into turn four. Got it Got it wrong. Got it very wrong. Yep. Locked the brake. And then, I mean, Checker absolutely could have taken a much more sweeping outside line. I don't think Checker needed to come down and take that apex. But also, Checker doesn't know that Charles is coming up the inside. Mm-hmm. He's not really done anything wrong. Um, and it's sort of Charles into Checo, which spun Checo around, which is actually the single best thing to happen to Sergio Perez because the other two just... I mean, Max Verstappen, as far as I'm concerned, to at least some extent. Obviously, he had nowhere to go, but also kind of the way it looks to me, no one to blame but himself because it doesn't... He looks like he goes full Carlos signs in Russia and he just decides, I'm going to go off into the, that, stay on the throttle and just, you know, drive around this. And then he's gone, oh, there's gravel here and couldn't control the car and just went into the wall. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he could have tried to apply well, his other break. option was driving into another car. So gravel or a car. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm not. It's not that he, it's not that he drove off the track. Had to drive off the track. But he doesn't look like he lifts. Okay. It looks like he stays, to me. No, yeah. It looked so... like he stayed foot to the floor. And then when he got to the gravel, there was nothing he could do. If he had a backed out of it, he wouldn't have gone into the wall. Okay. So, like, yes, he got forced off. That was Charles' fault. But he also hit the wall because he's Max Verstappen and he went for Max Verstappen. And you hate Max Verstappen. Well... Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate him, but it annoys me when he does really stupid things. That's fair. Um, and then Charles, I'm not quite sure why Charles just drove around into the fence, but he did, and you know, maybe his car was damaged. I'm not too sure. We know, yeah. So his um his left front um it gets completely snapped off. Oh, that'll do it. Um, so his that's a that's a so, valid yeah, excuse. So what um like you made a good point with with Checo, where I don't think like when I first saw it, I thought Checo was definitely at fault, but. In the same, you know, the same line of thinking that you said just before Hume with, um, like, you know, getting squeezed out at the start. Although Checo could have gone around the outside line, he would have been at the mercy of any other car that got a good exit off the apex of turn four. Yep. That would have been able to just come through him because obviously with the, the new layout from turn four, instead of being a nice little sort of straight run for a bit, it's a kind of a, like a difficult, and that whole area of the track, the, you know, the outside layout, was really bumpy and really skiddy. Um, and I think that if he, like, and that's those ones where, like, sort of the same as, like, it's pretty much the same as the Kvyat stroll incident last week, right, where the guy on the outside, he can't be expected to be looking in his mirrors, making sure that guy's okay. It's up to the it's up to the discretion of the driver mm. on the inside line to make sure that he's doing the best that he can. And Charles definitely has a tendency, like, you go back to last week, like Vettel getting on the radio saying a little bit like that, in the second Austrian yep. race, he obviously took Vettel out like pretty early. Charles has always been an aggressive overtaker on the inside, and he just got it wrong here. And then, yeah, with Verstappen, Verstappen was obviously in the mindset of, oh, no, like I'm losing all these positions because now I'm on the outside. I'm going to try to, you know, get get a good takeoff and then keep on going through. But then you see him like, and it literally like it looks like he just goes into a puddle because as soon as he gets to a certain point in that little um, runoff area, it just goes from road to dust, and obviously the desert all around that track isn't going to help any driver. And then, yeah, he just kind of like slowly skips into the barrier, and then it was just all over. 
which um, I did. I will say, like, and I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say the Charles the Charles penalty. I think is fair because I th- and I think it comes down down to more that Charles has done a lot of other things this year that he's gotten away with, notably. The incident with Vettel, which, you know, the F1 is very rarely going to find somebody for taking out their teammate because that's kind of punishment enough. But the one that I look to is him and Russia with Stroll. Um, How he got away without a penalty there is absolutely mind-boggling. So I think this was one where it was a little bit of a count back. Like, Charles just was... And he... He effectively, you know, at at the time as well, it looked like that he'd ruined three races. His, Max's, and then Checo's as well. Yes. Like, for just a boneheaded play where, like... Why are you trying to make up all those places mm. in one corner? Like, I see, just just get on with the race. I do, and I, I do, and I don't agree with the penalty that he's got. So is it three place grid penalty, Deshaun, for this weekend? I believe so. Yeah. Like, because on the one hand, that's, I I agree. I agree. Like, obviously, that's an thing. Like, I think he probably should have got a penalty for the stroll incident back in Russia. And if this is almost backdating that, that's fine. But like, the stroll incident for mine in Russia was significantly worse. That was further into the lap. They were all single file by that point. And so at that point, it's now down to, as far as I'm concerned, the start sequence is over. It is normal racing. And if you just, like, chop a driver, you've chopped a driver. This was obviously a little bit different. Like, obviously, it was, you know, he didn't need to be making that. But it was still the start sequence. Everything was going off. And, you know, under normal circumstances, probably I reckon there's a good chance that Perez doesn't chop down there because if they're all single file, Perez probably sees Charles coming and locking up and gives him the space. Mm, but Perez yeah, has no... And Perez, Charles does Perez, lock up Perez, right is, Perez is blind because Perez is coming in from outside of Max. Perez would be completely... He, Perez doesn't even know Charles is there. And actually, what I will say as well is if you watch it again, it's... um. Bodas locks up in front of Perez, mm-hmm. so Perez has nowhere to go. Yeah, this is the Bodas squeeze I'm talking about, yeah. mate. This is the yeah. squeeze. I wasn't, yeah. a squeeze. Yeah. I wasn't a squeeze. Yeah, I, haven't, I actually hadn't yes. ever noticed that. Yeah, Neither. like right at the That's end, fair. like Bodas, and at and at the time when Bodas goes hard in on Perez, Perez has two wheels on the curb on the outside at like 50 meters to go in the turn. Yeah. So yeah, but like if if Checo turned in, he's either turning into Bodas, so he has to slow down a lot. Bodas locks up. Charles locks up because of Bodas. And then, yeah, like, did Charles... Oh, sorry. Checo didn't leave Charles a, a car length, but if the Checo doesn't take that line, he aquaplanes into Bodas. Oh, but that's a much better... Oh, wait, Checo goes into Bodas, yeah. Yeah, so that's, 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 I'd I'm, say... I'm, I can leave with a Charles penalty, but I do think there was also a little bit of that was just the start being a mess. Um, I do think credit to Charles. He took responsibility for it after that race, and I think that is something now to... Two seasons into the relevant portion of Charles Leclerc's career, I think this is something that, you know... I mean, obviously, you just don't want to make the mistakes, but I think he it is something that Leclerc needs to be commended for. He is always very, very open at a level far beyond what you'd expect a Formula 1 driver to be. And considering you know that deep down there, Charles Leclerc has a massive ego and thinks he is better than everybody on the planet. He's always incredibly... Every one driver has to. But no, that, that's my point. Like, he all has that. But, like, Charles... Is just so willing to be like, no, you know what? That was my fault. That was, you know, poor by me. I shouldn't be doing. Oh that. yeah, like he's he's almost the like because he's not as goofy on social media and he's not as buddy buddy with Norris and George and Albon. He almost like flies under the radar, but he's easily one of the like the better personalities. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's as far away as different to a Michael Schumacher um, as you could get in terms of yeah, like he he owns his mistakes. He's a great sportsman. Like, you saw his reaction from the Roman crash last week. Like, he was genuinely, like, you know, scared and worried about the welfare of, like, one of his fellow yeah. drivers. 
And just there, like, and it was the, like, about, it would have been maybe, like, 10 or 15 laps in once they got the radio from the interviews. And Charles was, you know, very open and honest, like, you know, apologized, said that he was at fault, and then they talked to Max, and then they were like, oh, you know, Max, you know, Charles has claimed all responsibility for this, and Max was just something on the lines of, oh, yeah, good, like, he should. Yeah, yeah. well, I was going and that, And that's why Charles is like more yeah. than Max Verstappen, because Max Verstappen is a bit I, of a I, I was going to say, like... Great driver. Oh, yeah. Don't get oh, no, me wrong. No, it's about it. Max is such a... But I thought it was a little bit ripped, some of Verstappen's comments, like, talking about how it was crazy from Charles just to be doing that at that point, when Max Verstappen has a serial track record of very boneheaded moves in Formula One over the last few years. I just mean his comments aren't true. I never said... I I said they were rich. Not they weren't true. They were rich. And also, like... And we we say it a lot with Max. Like, one thing I do like about the kid is that he he wears his heart on his sleeve and he would have been dirty with himself. Because, like, they even said in the telecast later on... Take that on yourself. That's what Charles does. Charles is dirty with himself and Charles abuses himself. Max is dirty with himself and he lashes out. But I think it's that thing where he, like, the the one race in God knows how long, right, when Mercedes, like, properly goof it, like, properly, oh, yeah. properly goof it, and Max just isn't there to... And even the same with Monza as well, right? In Monza, he ended up having to retire when he was running in 15th. Yep. Like, whenever, like, he just seems to have really bad luck that when he does have a chance to, like, pull something out, he's just never on the end of it. And maybe that's karma. I don't know. Like when he's, he's chasing a donkey Bottas um, for second in the driver's seat. I just think, I just think, as a as a good friend of the show, Jack would say, uh, "Pot meat kettle." Which Jack? Weedmeyer. The the Jack that is friends with all three of us. Okay. The one that says "pot meat kettle" a lot. I've of never, the time. I've never heard him say that. Oh well. It's almost like, you know, I've been living in Melbourne for most of the period that I've known him. Do you come from Melbourne? Yeah, I'm Victorian, oh, mate. Oh, mate. I'm actually a... Piastri, Oscar Piastri's cousin. Oh, what a uh, scoop. <coughs> what a scoop. What a scoop, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that obviously safety car for the first few laps that decimated George Russell's already two-second lead. Um, how long I took, I'm trying to, what did we spend, like three or four laps under safety car in the end? Sounds a bit, like bit more. I feel it was about lap seven yep. that it restarted, might yeah, have been. because they're short laps, remember? Um, and they are very short. Oh, this was the weirdest race. Like, you'd be watching it and you'd be like, oh, cool, we're on, like, lap 14, it's going good. You'd look away and you're like, oh, now we're on lap 26. What? Mm. Where did that go? Yeah, 80, 87 laps. Blue <clears throat> big, big boy race. But, um, Russell got a really good safety car restart. As did Carlos Sainz. Yep, so Russell Ooh. Russell nailed it, instantly put the gap on Bottas, and Carlos Sainz, yeah, as you said, timed it really well. He got the run on Bottas, actually took him into turn one, but couldn't quite arrest it coming back into two and three and had to run off the track and hand the place back to Bottas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun while it lasted. There was some interesting moments then with Sergio Perez. Um, he started climbing indeed, back Indeed, yes, Perez, Perez obviously having gone in, changed tyres, made his mandatory pit stop, yeah. started right at the back of the field. He started to steadily carve his way up through the back markers. It should also be said, um, as we sort of alluded to in the qualifying segment, Lando Norris gained nine positions off the start to yeah. move from 19th to 10th. Um, most importantly... Antonio Giovinazzi lost two positions off the start, Oof. but then three guys crashed. So Antonio Giovinazzi actually gained a position on the opening lap, mm-hmm. maintaining that mm-hmm. track record, which at this point for me is the single most important thing going in Formula One. Okay. Um, okay. And even better than that was Alex Albon Ooh. lost three spots, but three guys crashed. So Alex Albon gained them all back. And so Alex Albon moved exactly no spots off the start which is probably the most Alex Albon thing he could <laughs> ever do. Yeah, that's his, that's his season in a nutshell. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, yeah, so as Perez, like, moves through the field, there was a moment where he passed a battle, and Martin Brundle was in fine form over both weekends in Bahrain. He killed it. He dropped this beauty. Um, the man who's nicked his job for next year, Perez, has just put some manners on him. Quality Brundle. Oh, the, only, the only man who I'm better than Martin Brundle at the moment is his son, Alex. Crofty had some doozies as well this race, which we'll get to later on. Crofty with should be banned from the commentary. Well, <laughs> this, this race might have broken me at David Croft. He Come had on, some shockers. We had some quality George Russell-based No. Players. Do we those... drop them now or when we talk about Russell later? Oh, we'll drop them now because I want David well, Croft off the broadcast well, forever. Well, we've got... We've got we, everyone knows about Hammer Time when Lewis Hamilton, you know... Actually, actually, I'll say one of them was proper good. Okay. Russell, the Russell, the Russell, whatever the one... The Come Russell, on, Russell, give me some hustle. That wasn't good, but the Russell, like, you know, the whatever... Russell one, amidst all the bustle. That was a good line. <laughs> that was a good line. But come on, Russell, give me some hustle as his version of Hammer Time. If that catches on, I won't be watching Formula One for very long. I'm excited. Crofty's on fine form, mate. Both of them. They're like fine wine. They just get better as they get older. Jashan's going to go from, like, hating on George Russell to being the biggest fanboy just so he gets to hear I David... No, let me finish. Just so he gets to hear David Croft say, come on, Russell, if give he, us some if hustle. If he drives the way he drove in, in Secure, then I'll become a fanboy because he drove very well. It's almost as if that's what he's proven he can do throughout his whole career. Well, I haven't seen that's... it yet until now, so... Man, it's not that hard to watch an F2 highlights package. Fuck that shit, man. I think Perez coming back through the field and the way he did was very interesting. We obviously got to see him make a move on Vettel. And Albon. Which was that. I was about to say, we got to make him see a move on Alex Albon. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sergio Perez um, probably saying a bit of a, well, you're a fucking idiot to one team. <laughs> and a bit of a, you're going to be fucking idiots if you don't do the sensible thing to another. And Albon had just made a nice move on um, Norris as well. He was, I was like, very, oh, yeah. hello, Alex. Are you awake this weekend? And then, oh, no, no, he's, he's still shit. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was a bad like Perez. I think Perez was just in a faster car and had the run at that. But yeah, oh that, um, that that pink panther on that main straight was just zooming. Oh, oh yeah, oh, oh. it was one of it was one of those things. Honestly, the way he was coming back through the field at that point in time, you were very much like, wow, Carlos is potentially not Carlos. Um, Charles has possibly robbed us of Sergio actually competing with the Mercedes because he was carving it up, and you're like, yeah. you know, what? he might have been able to hang with them uh, and try to play an interesting strategy card. Mm-hmm. But um, you've activated my strategy card. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Blue eyes, white panther. It's called last to first in one fucking Bahraini race. Spoiler alert, mate. 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 But um, yes. Then obviously the Mercedes had cleared out at the front. Russell had. Worked it out to about a comfortable two-second cap on Bottas. And then just sort of sat at that. He went, honestly, did a very good Lewis Hamilton impersonation. Put two seconds on Bottas. Mm -hmm. And then just sort of sat there. And every time Bottas would hit like a faster lap and take it back to 1.6, you'd be like, oh, here comes Valtteri. Real George was like, no, I'm just going to put it back to two seconds and readjust my pace. This was the most wholesome radio comms messages of all time where you're just like, "Um, guys, where's the overtake button? Um, How do I I work this One of the highlights of this weekend (laughs) was George Russell learning, going from the Williams to learning how to use the most complicated car on the grid. Just like, yeah, guys, how do I work DAS? Yeah, I I ask. They actually, um, they had to make him a modified steering wheel <laughs> um, for the weekend that sort of mirrored the Williams setup because the Mercedes one was just way too much for him to actually yeah, um, understand and learn. Um, he was also, he was too big for the car, wasn't he? Because it was just Hamilton's car and George Russell's massive and Hamilton's just not. Mm. So I think, I'm pretty sure he had some issues yeah, his around the size nu- of his Toto car. Toto said his knuckles were bleeding by the end of the uh, race. Jeez. Toto said, because his um, hands were obviously too big for the um, 
because you see they have the little like cutouts um, in the hands. Um, he was wearing size 10 boots yep. because uh, they were the only ones that fit in there. And then there obviously would have been some, I mean, you didn't see it in the race, um, but he would have been dealing with some aerodynamical issues, being a little bit taller and his head that, breaking out a little bit body, more. Because um, he was, that's it, oh. he wasn't driving his car, he was driving Lewis's, and that can't be that can't be forgotten amongst like you know his performance across mm-hmm. the weekend. And also as well, probably how good that Mercedes is, that a guy that isn't built for that car was still able to just turn it into an absolute I've rocket. Top Gear meme of just Clarkson coming past Hammond with like his head <laughs> yeah, out yeah, the top yeah. of the car. George overtaken Valtteri. Oh, it's like ask his um, ask Bono. Like, can you remind me to pit in the Mercedes? Yeah, camera, so I, 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 there was like... so. It was an interesting <laughs> thing because for like, and we'll get to obviously what, but for about three quarters of the race, it was just the most wholesome George Russell mm. messages you've ever mm. heard. And then obviously when it all went tits up, you, we, if we got to see a very interesting side of yeah. what, what we got to see was George Russell, the future championship contender, and what mm. that's going to be like. Where he's like, oh no. I actually do get now that I'm now that I'm not just tottering around at the Williams. I'm actually bothered when things go wrong. Like, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, that was um, and Bono had to be like, "Ah, oh, George, you're sort of letting your emotions show a bit here, mate. It's all right. Just head down." You want something ridiculous, mate? Oh, I do want to hear By something ridiculous. By lap fifty-three, George Russell had led more laps this year than everybody except, except Bottas Hamilton. and Hamilton. That was my favorite start that I heard over the weekend. Um, oh yeah, just shows to show. But this really has been. One of Mercedes' most dominant years ever. It's bloody insane. It has been because well, that's the thing. It's really what they've won. Well, now all but three races, correct? Max won the seventieth. Yep, Max Gasly. Gasly and that, and Max won the seventieth, only getting past Hamilton well and truly into the second half of the race. Gasly led what like twelve laps at the end or something, mm-hmm. and all extenuating circumstances. Yes, yes. Well, seventieth oh, wasn't extenuating circumstances. Max was just faster. No, but um. The Mercedes tyres fucked up. Yeah, but they didn't like explode or anything. They just had no, issues with temperatures. That's that's yeah, a yeah, that's okay. fair that's, enough, fair enough. that's, that's not extenuating in the same sense. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Because like that's that's race. That's just to set your car up better, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll, agree. I'll agree. Um, but yeah, we sort of went on, rolled through the uh, first round of pit stops. Um, George Russell got to I think it was, I think it was Pietro Fittipaldi became the first car George Russell has ever lapped on track in his yep. career. Which, considering how much lapping or being lapped he's done so far, must have been a nice moment for him. Yeah, yeah. Lapping um, Latoyfi as well. He lapped Latoyfi. He lapped his replacement, Jack Aitken. Yes. Um, it was all good Getting fun and games. Etc. 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 that time, there was a the, the broadcast informed us that Mercedes had projected they would lap twenty six cars. Yeah. So the entire field plus, plus six cars. Yeah. No. Oh, sorry, plus, plus eight, eight cars. Plus eight. Well, they said plus six cars yeah, on the broadcast yeah, yeah. for you. No, you're right. Bloody plus plus eight cars. I'm telling you, Crofty's got no idea. <laughs> Even after we'll we'll blame Ted Kravitz. A bit of that, the, that lack of tech familiarity familiarity showed up, and Russell struggled yes. to get out of his pistol. Oh, he gave us the heart attack, didn't he? Yeah, came, he did. came out, it was like, oh, no, no power. power. And the team was just like, oh, mate, just you press the button. Press the button. Yeah, It'll exactly. be fine. And you're like, oh, okay, he's dropping purple sections. It's all good. He lost pace. But, oh. and then, but after Bottas had his pit stop, there was a line, I think it was it was Anthony Edwards or Paul DeResta, one the guy who was in race control, whatever it is, Sky Race Control. Yeah. Was like, I think Valtteri Bottas needs binoculars to see George Russell at the moment. He's eight and a half seconds ahead. Anthony Davison. Anthony Davison. There we go. Not Anthony Edwards. He's a basketball player. He is indeed. Alrighty. I'm I'm learning. Do, I'm lo- learning do, love, do love the hoops. Oh yeah, absolutely. It is oh dear. That yeah, no, what's the thing? Because you you came out and he had that whole no power thing, you're like, oh god, oh god. 
and then he just set about dropping fast times and he really carved into Bottas's lead um, before Bottas made his stop much later and then yeah had that 8 second lead over Bottas mm-hmm. who admittedly admittedly one it doesn't even say Valtteri as he has pointed out he was closing down on Russell and yes. at, at a fairly good rate of knots he was potentially looking like he was starting to let his experience come through mm-hmm. with that car when obviously it all got a bit hectic I think what happened to bring out the VSC someone Someone because something happened before I could scratch. Someone stop out on track because it was the VSC where like signs and a few others. Yeah, I've got it pitted. Debris they needed to clear up. Yeah, I've got it written down here somewhere. Just bear with me. Play some elevator music. We're bearing with you, mate. Well, you're the one who puts the um the yes. Yeah, Latifi just had just pulled over and stopped his car. Yes, it was. Williams. Yeah, so I thought someone's here. Latifi stopped out on track, which brought out a VSC, which I believe, I think Signs and Ricardo and that I think missed it, it missed late. it the first time round. Yeah, well, bloody they got dicked down. Because who, who came in initially for it? Was it the... Vettel came in, copped a six and a half second pit stop. Classic for I Did one of the... Two, did the AlphaTauri's come kind of Someone further down Fiat. the 10 came in. Fiat did maybe Fiat. Ocon as well? Or someone um, further down the chance, 10? Yeah. I just um, know that because Fiat pitted and then um, they called Daniel into pit, but he'd already passed. Yes, lane. Daniel gone in. In a classic that. Renault farcical mishap. No, no, that was the green flag pit stops. Okay, that was okay. He was right. meant to come in the same lap as I think Signs and the uh, Stroll right. or whatever who was around him, or Kvyat who was around him, whatever. And then yes. he was already past that. But then yes, when the VSC came out, a couple of them got it, but Signs and I think Ricardo were too far around the lap, so they couldn't come in. And then they came in at the end of the next lap, but they cleared off Latifi's car so fast that just as Signs and Ricardo came yep. in, the VSC ended, and so they effectively just had an extra green flag pit stop, which buried them a bit further down. Yep. And then another well, five or six, 10, 20, went by so fast laps later. Jack Aitken um, lost it coming out of the final corner. Yeah, he drove into a wall. Um, spun off into, honestly, one of the most beautiful, because he caught the wall in the perfect yeah. way that all it did was remove his front <laughs> wing and launch it onto the racing line. It was line. one of those most satisfying... Uh, and he just came out and he just drove off to go back around to put a new front wing on. Didn't even take him out of the race. Just just ripped the front wing off and brought out a safety car. Brilliant. Because they put the VSC out and you'll be like, mm, but that's right on the racing line. When yeah. are they going to get that? And then sure enough, after it, they're like, oh, no, safety car. It Mercedes- was 100% a master plan put together by Toto and the Williams boys. Have Jack crash... Bring them both in. We'll double stack them, and we'll completely yeah. oh, fuck Valtteri yeah. Bottas in the. Yeah, we'll, we'll nail it. We'll nail. It. Well, I wouldn't because they would have still. He would have still come out P two. That we just would have both been on better tires for it. Yeah. And yeah. uh, so yes, Mercedes called both boys in for the double stack. George Russell's pit stop goes up. Well, it appears to go off without a hitch. Yes. Like, yep. Good stop. Get him out of here. They do Valtteri's. They're going through. Takes it. I think honestly, I think the in a weird way the best thing to happen to Mercedes is that front left didn't go on properly the first time. The mechanic had to re it with a gun, and when he did that, he must have looked at it and suddenly been like, this tyre says GR, not VB. <laughs> Shit. Suddenly so panic. They realised that I think both the left-hand side tyres, they put Bottas' tyres on Russell's one. car. It was just the one. Just though. the one? Yes. I thought it was, I thought it was three. I've read multiple articles. Okay, because I thought it looked like the they, I thought they took the entire left sides off George's car when he came in. Mm. Maybe it was just the one. Okay. But um, yeah, so at least at the very least the left front, possibly the right left rear as well of George. Um, Valtteri's tyres was put on George. Um, 
that meant obviously they were going to put George's hard on Valtteri, so they had to quickly, started quickly hustle burning. back, put Valtteri's hards just back on him, send him out on those, so that because they could, if they'd sent him back out, then they would have had no way of fixing the tire situation. His brakes were catching on fire, which would make it very, very dramatic. So oh, yeah. Bottas is in there for ages. They get him seconds. back out. He ends up. He's now dropped behind. All right, he's, he's dropped back behind at this point, I believe. Yeah, he's dropped behind Perez, who is at this point must be said. With the way the pit starts are shaken out and the fact he's not coming in. He was already third off of the VSC. Perez. Yeah, you know, that, that's in the VSC of the way signs and that had come in. Yeah. Because Perez had, actually, we should say Perez had done well to get past Stroll and Ocon just before the VSC. Mm. And, and despite Ocon doing that. some solid defending. Oh, definitely driving. solid defending. Um, yeah, Perez was just on a different so level. So Perez, that Perez was then up to second behind Russell. Dropped bottles behind Perez, behind Ocon, behind Stroll. And I think he got out just in front of signs because he dropped out in P5, I'm pretty sure. Then obviously yeah, and then went to P4 because Russell Yes, then they pulled in. Russell and they're like, George, we've got to pull you back in. Tire mix up, we've got to bring you in. So they brought Russell in, fixed his left front of tire around. So he was now on a you know relatively fresh set of mediums. That dropped him out into P5 just behind Valtteri. Suddenly, we're all sitting here with about 20 laps to go. Like, hang on a minute. Sergio Perez is winning this race. Yes, but then the call this comes is... through. It's okay, George. It's okay. You've got the tire advantage. I fucking better hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was oh, good to see the sass from George. Oh, quality. Um, I mean, look, he was winning that race if the second disaster didn't happen because he was steaming through. Oh, he was. So I'd say Russell was there now on the best tyres of the competitive cars, and sure enough, I will just say, and I'm going to get, once we say I'm going to come back to Spencer to talk about this because I think he'll have some good things. But he put one of, one honestly, one of the best moves I've ever seen on Bottas through what is now one of my favourite sections on any track. That outside... The twisty bit. The outside loop of the um, the technical part of the outside loop of Bahrain. What a little section of track that is. And going through there, um, Balfour got a bad run out of four, I believe, and George just went, you know what, I'm going for it. Put mm. it up alongside, kept his foot to the floor and just went around the outside of, I think, five or six, whatever one it was, ducked down the inside of the next one, got his yep. way past Bottas, and we were all just like, whoa, that was pretty bloody good. The climactic cup for Bottas' garbage weekend. That was that was my. My, my, my. I'm not was... quite sure that I would consider. You can't just you can't just go off. You got outdriven by someone. You got cut because that means there's 19 cucks in Formula One and Lewis Hamilton, and that's Fair not enough. how it works. No, but I mean, but, but yeah, was horrible. Oh, yeah, that was just yeah. That was George really putting a stamp on his weekend. He then worked his way past Stroll, past mm-hmm. Ocon, mm-hmm. was closing in on Perez. I think it was actually going to be touch and go for him to catch Perez. It could have been a very interesting battle at the end, and then suddenly we're looking at Bottas, who's going backwards, and then we hear a radio message, which I did see flash up, and I'm pretty sure this is George Russell's radio, saying, mm-hmm. oh, we've got a puncture, and I was like, oh, what? But then they're like, oh, that would explain why Valtteri is going backwards, and then sure enough, we cut to George going to the pits, and the companies go, oh, no, it is George, and I was like, yep, well, Perez has won the race. Yes, he has. Um, yes, he did. Which he did. But before we talk about Perez and how amazing that was, I will say We haven't let you get a word in for a little while, so I'll just... Defer to you for your thoughts on everything that happened Mercedes re George's overtake, that pit stop, that puncture, and just the way George recovered and how he still held himself and performed in the face of getting enough adversity for half a season in the space of about twenty laps. Well, yeah, it was like, it was interesting. Like obviously, you know, Deshaun made that little joke about the master plan of Toto, like making the Williams sort of crash into it, and it did. It did look like that that crash was going to sort of shake up everything in the midfield but you know this is this is Mercedes that we're talking about right like even if they're going to double stack you expect a a team of Mercedes class to be able to sort of you know get through it um 
I will make a little point that I did see, like obviously um, Toto classified it as a um, colossal fuck-up um, and got a, in a little bit of trouble with F1 because they said that he couldn't say that, um, to which Toto said, I am the F1. Um, <laughs> because he is. God damn. You, you try looking that man in the eye and tell him he's never done wrong in his life. That is one beautiful, beautiful man. But I'm monologuing right now. Um, back, not, not thinking about Toto's face, thinking about George Russell. Um, <laughs> Um, apparently some of the chat is that George potentially could have accidentally left his radio on. And with the way that the radio systems work in F1 and the F1 cars is if the driver's radio is on, it turns everything else off as like a priority thing. So if a driver's got a, you know, a, an issue or an urgent message that needs to be relayed, everything else gets tucked away. So that could have potentially explain why they didn't have the you know the necessary like things together but it just didn't make sense that like the George Russell people's okay Bottas comes in gets absolutely nerfed and then he comes out and then there's a drama of having to you know get all the tries like put back on he gets back out even further obviously Bottas was on the same hard so it should have been an easy overtake anyway but the way George did it was so impressive where like it was one of those moves where like if he goofed that up and he turfed himself into his teammate He's going to be going back to Williams with his tail between his legs. But the fact that he had that tenacity and that hunger... Shoshana and I would be coming to blows. To just, get, to just get straight around Bottas. Like, if it was the other way around, like, Bottas wouldn't have made that move on Russell. Bottas doesn't make that move at all, right? Like, Russell, like, showed and proved, like, what type of metal he's made of in that move alone. And then the we made the point of how Russell, like, once things started to go, as Hume put it so eloquently, tits up. Um, his demeanor and his attitude sort of changed and Bono had to kind of, you know, like tell him to reset himself, like recenter, like, you know, you're getting a little bit like in your head right now. For George to cop all of that when it looked like, like, you know, we, he was going to win that race. Like Sergio might've been able to get close to him, but I don't think that that pink Panther would have had enough juice to get around that Mercedes. And the way that it it's two straight years the Bahrain's robbed some of them. Yeah, and it's, like, they were, like, him and Bordas were getting a lot of messages throughout the race saying to stay off the curbs at turn seven and eight, and that's, like, the, the really quick, um, like, set of chicanes. I think it's the, the, the first set of chicanes in that new section, and about every three or four oh, laps. The, I'm pretty sure it's the, the last, last one. Ones. Sorry, yeah. Um, seven, seven, seven's the last one coming out, I think. And I was a little bit worried yeah, when they kept on saying that because it was the same thing as Austria, right? Their tyres like were getting a little bit like wore down, and there was the issue that like you know the Mercedes couldn't take the the vibrations going through those curbs. So you're always sort of like thinking in the back of your head like they are putting out these beautiful lap times and pulling themselves away, but like will there be any kind of consequence for doing that? And then of course as well like it wasn't a it wasn't a like a bad puncture like the ones we see where the tyre starts to like shred up and then just like goes off. It was just a you know. Obviously, a, a slow release puncture, if that's how you want to describe it. But then for Russell, and this is the thing, right, that was so crazy to me is that he went into the weekend and he put on his Instagram, like, you know, it's race day, like, no expectation, just going to go out there and give it my all. He, he finished ninth for his first points finish in F1. And then he also finished with the fastest lap of the fastest race. Lap. And if I'm not mistaken, the fastest lap of the race that he had was, hold up, I might be able to bring him up here really quickly. He was a good, yeah, point point one five seconds ahead of Valtteri Bottas' fast, fastest time with a 
Dude, he was three seconds behind Bottas in the actual race after pitting an extra two times. He nearly caught back up to Bottas. P8, P9. Ridiculous. I mean, he, he did get to go out on a brand spanking new set of softs, whereas Bottas was on massively Still two extra pit stops, though. Which is, what, well, 50 seconds? Okay, yeah, but one of them was under a safety car and sure, didn't sure, put him sure. behind. Okay. So he, 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 he made back up the... No, he, he did have to pit twice. Well, let's see. He, he was like five seconds up on Bottas, had to make that last pit stop, which would have put him between 15 and 20 seconds behind Bottas. And yes, he closed that all down on that, which was, yes, a mix, obviously impressive and crazy, but a mixture of very fresh tyres from him, shithouse and falling off the cliff tyres for Bottas. Yes. And also just George being worldy and Bottas having a terrible run home. Oh, look, 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 look. I, don't, I hate to keep railing on Valtteri Bottas, but I'm actually quite enjoying it because, you know, not only did he We get can't tell at all. Cucked by his inability to start. He got cucked by Russell on multiple occasions. He got cucked by Jack Aitken, of all people. There was a moment we got cucked by the commentators. I'm starting to think you might have a bit of a fetish here. Only for Bottas, mate. There was a moment with mm, a, where his, his radio message was coming on the screen, right? And you know how when that comes on, all the commentators yeah, go this silent. Is, this is one of the shittest points you've ever made, but do continue. Anthony Davidson just talks over Valtteri Bottas the entire time, doesn't let up, doesn't give any fucks, just like, oh, is that Valtteri Bottas speaking? Uninterested. I'll just keep going on with my point. He got cut by his pit crew, and he got cut by Total Wolf after the, after the whole thing ended, because Wolf came out and said, yes, I was not impressed by Valtteri this weekend. He had a bad race, which he did. He just, it's just nothing went right, went right for Valtteri this weekend. Nothing went right for Valtteri, it seems like, in the past month. More so. Yeah. He needs to go. Physical he reaction for, for you. I would just say, have you ever seen anything more quintessentially Williams? And obviously it wasn't Williams, but they're both Williams boys. Have you ever seen anything more quintessentially Williams than getting a front row lockout and that, dominating three quarters of the race, but somehow only coming home in eighth and ninth? Look, like, I know it's Mercedes, but they did a really good impersonation of Williams circa 2015. You described the goddamn now. weekend as being not ideal. Valtteri, buddy. Yes. Not ideal? Valtteri, mate. Well, I would, I, that's an accurate assessment. It was not ideal. Uh, big news. The big news. I think the bit we all want to talk about, and I'm going to give you guys the floor instantly because I think I might have a lot to say on this when it's all said and done. This, this, was very, I, this meant a lot to me, if I'm being perfectly honest. But Sergio Perez... Won the race. I'm going to give Jashan you the floor to get things going, and then we'll see what Spencer has to say. And mm. I'll come at the end. But Sergio Perez, Formula One race winner. Discuss. No, there were tears, mate. There were tears. He could barely contain his emotions. It, it, was, it was quite emotional. Even on my behalf, I've been watching this sport for less than a year. Um, I've enjoyed watching Sergio race, and it was sick to see him win, especially after being robbed of back-to-back podiums last week because of a engine issue. Um, no driver has more points in the last three Grand Prix than Sergio Perez, except for Lewis Hammy Hamilton. He is in blistering form. But in the last three races? Yes. So even though he's not finished one of them? Yes. Nice. That's, that's impressive. I like that stat. It's good, isn't it? Um, and just, he took, um, he took the record for longest time with uh, until his maiden yep. win uh, for races it Capping was 190 Weber, I believe yes well this is, this is what I want to ask you boys uh, can you guess the other drivers in the mix for longest await in F1 without a win you've got one already with Mark oh, Webber oh, he was Mark 130 Perez um, took 190 races who's next up Giancarlo Fisichella one of them yes Jensen Button 
Yes, 113 for Jensen Butter. What was Fancy Keller's? Like 110. 110. I'm um, trying to picture. Because I, 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 it gave a top five, right? Oh, it was like ah, Rosberg. Nico Rosberg, yep. 111. Yep. Two more. Two more. One bloke I've never heard of and one bloke who's rather famous and I have heard of. Um, ooh. What sort of what sort of area is the famous bloke you have heard of? Oh, somewhat recent, like somewhat. the 2000s, I guess. Uh, Rubens Barrichello? Yes. Rubens Barrichello, um, 123 races. I'm trying to think, because Nick Heidfeld never won a race. Mm. I'm guessing he's Italian based on his name. Oh, I sort of wasn't Italian. Um, Yano Trulli. Yes. Oh, mate. Oh, you would have loved Yano Trulli. Yano mm-hmm. Trulli was most famously known for the Trulli train. The Trulli train? Which was basically Yano Trulli holding up a whole string of drivers. Oh, brilliant. You okay. would have enjoyed it. Would I? I think right. you would have. Everyone enjoyed the Trulli train. Oh, very impressive. Well, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, it was I've cathartic almost. i every single one of those drivers race. race. Well, there you go. Good man. I'm, I'm proud you got them all. Miss you on that, Shirley. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Racing Point copped their first winner's Racing Point and their fifth as an operation. Obviously, with their origin First dating. since Jordan, though. Yes. So, first since the 90s or very early 2000s, I that think. That sounds maybe. right. That sounds correct. And, um, yeah, it was... It was a beautiful moment for Sergio Perez. Oh, it was a travesty so. if he doesn't get a somewhere. Next somewhere Eddie Jordan was very, very happy. Yes. Spencer. Yes. Sergio <laughs> Perez. To discuss. Eh, like I'm happy for him. You know, it's a long time coming. Um, I don't know why nobody's talking about the the circumstances around it. Like I know that he came from fucking from last to first, and this is the the first F1 driver to ever do that. But in a track like Sakia, um, being down in last meant that he was like 10 seconds off the leaders um, after the first lap. So it's not that big of a gap to have to put right. through. Um, oh, uh, that, is, that is fair. That is I fair. I don't know why. they. I don't know if they changed the rules or if there's something there. But for whatever reason, like Perez like had already like – um, gone through the pit stop protocol. So when he went in for lap one and changed his tires, there was no chat of whether or not that meant that he was good for the rest of the race. Um, and like when, when the podium is also Esteban Ocon and Lance Stroll, um, I think there's something that sort of, you know, had to go wrong there to make it happen. Um, George Russell was absolutely robbed of the victory. That's the only reason why Checo won the thing. Um, and while I'm happy for him, like I, you know, it it annoyed me a little bit that F1 was only looking at, and everyone in the paddock was like, oh, you know, like this is Checo's day, like you know, like he's deserved it, like yada yada yada. Like, I guess, like the only reason why everyone's so okay. so like like lovey dovey with him at the moment is because Vettel took his took his drive but in terms of like a a race like he was just very very fortunate that the only way that he could have won the race was the way that the race turned out and like that's like that's good for him but it literally took it took ricardo and signs to get absolutely dicked in the virtual safety car and then it took not one two mercedes to get dicked one mercedes to get dicked two more times after that and then by the end of it, he built up a decent lead. But again, that's because, like, if 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 Russell didn't have to go in for the puncture, Russell would have caught him easily. 
Yeah. Hands down would have pulled about it. Every race I was, was going to say, Hamilton, I'm going to stop you right there, Spencer. Say the same thing about Pierre Gasly. Sean, I don't remember Spencer saying anything to this effect when Gasly won that race. Mm-hmm. Literally the same fucking situation. Mm-hmm. Pierre Gasly won the race because he happened to pit just before the safety car mm-hmm. and yeet his way up to second. Stroll's done it twice now. But, but, <laughs> What's, but Gas- what, what Gasly, is the difference? Gasly had to defend for about 15 to 20 laps at Monza, which is about 35, 40 Sergio seconds Sergio Perez had the oldest and worst compound of tyres of everyone at the front of that restart, and he was able to drive away from Ocon and his teammate who were on better tyres. Is that more impressive? Are you talking about the worst compound being the hard tyres that Sebastian Vettel posted the fifth fastest lap of the race in lap 56 on? In a Ferrari? Are we talking about the, those hearts? That's fair. That's fair. But we're also talking about well, what, what was so good about the... Um, tire. Well, then George didn't have a tire advantage when he came out on mediums over Valerie Bottas then because the hards are apparently amazing. But you said he did, which well, means you the, think the, the tire The tire advantage tire. that George Russell had was that Valerie Bottas was on old hards that got taken off the car, went back to temperature, and then he had to warm them up yeah. again and cause graining and issues. Like, mm. I'm not like I'm not talking about any of the tyres or anything like that. Like, I, I, I am on record on this podcast of talking about Sergio Perez as being the best with his tyres outside of maybe Lewis Hamilton. I'm just saying, like, I, I nearly got teared up watching him on the podium because I thought it was fucking awesome for him to get that win. But what I will say is that he was very, very lucky in getting the win and that... In a, oh, yeah. a crazy but, race on a crazy track layout, and just the absolute crazy. Like I'm just, I'm pissed off, and I'm salty that that like it should have like he stole George Russell's day. That's why I'm angry about it because that should have been George Russell's, Russell's day. day. A piece of debris stole George Russell's day, and if George Russell is promoted to Mercedes in two years or next year, he will have more days, yeah. and he will have well, plenty right. of fucking. I, I will, I will now weigh in as possibly the most uniquely qualified to discredit Spencer's opinion on this, as the resident biggest fan of George Russell here. I was, I mean, I, obviously, I was gutted for George. I would have loved if George won, but frankly, I, I much more satisfied with this result because this was Sergio's chance. Like, if he gets the Red Bull drive next year, that changes things. Sergio will get more chances. But there is every chance Perez isn't on the grid next year and may never be on a grid again. This was his chance. This was possibly the last ever chance for Sergio Perez to do this. And I think there are a few men who have been in the sport over the last decade who deserve it more. I have watched Sergio Perez from day dot. I have fallen more and more love with him as a driver as it's gone on. Yeah. I was, he was someone I was very, very impressed with him very high on before he got the McLaren stint. I was optimistic but concerned when he got the McLaren stint and it crashed down around him because he wasn't yet ready. And that could have ended Sergio. We've seen that end other drivers' careers. Ending Look Alex at it. Albon's career. Kevin, I mean, yes, yeah, ended Alex Albon's career. It could, I mean, Gasly's managed to survive it, but, you know, well, guys like Stoffel Van Dorn's not in this sport oh. anymore. Um, we've seen Kevin, I mean, Kevin Magnussen didn't complete that, but Kevin Magnussen started out in that Mercedes, um, McLaren with a whole bunch of hype around him and then fell away to a pretty obscure year or two in the Renault and then even more obscurity in the, um, well, that's because money, money talks in F1 Oh yeah, yeah. and Perez up until recently was labeled oh, as a pay no, driver. I, I mean, no, I'm not saying that he's oh, not more no, than no, a pay no, driver now know, because he is, I know. but one of the reasons why is because he... Because of the advantages but that he was given, I'm not with just, his money that was attached to him, I'm not just talking in terms of oh, Perez has stayed in the sport for so long. 
Perez, like, that season in McLaren could have killed Perez's confidence and belief in himself to the point that while he'd be on the grid, he'd be on the grid doing jack shit because he could afford to be there, but he'd be no good. But he it, is good. It did, that's the thing. He has bounced back, and once he got axed from McLaren and had to drop back down to Force India, he sets about rebuilding his career, consistently turning out results, getting podiums in cars that had no right to be there, and, you know... Building in many, not obviously not single-handedly, but playing a huge part in building Force India now Racing Point into the team it is now, which I think even without, obviously Lawrence Stroll's money is what's pushed it over the head, but he has built Force India up from, at times, one of the real backmarkers on the grid to, I think, a team we now all see as being comfortably in the top five and, you know... Comfortably the third best team, mate. Well, yeah, and that's it. I don't see that. And even even if you know Ferrari rebounds and a couple of others, you know, they're comfortably now a top six, mm. top seven team, and closer to the front than they are the back. And Perez has played a huge role in that. I would happily be Charles Leclerc's rebound. I think we'd all happily be Charles Leclerc's <laughs> rebound. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, obviously this you know had every right to be George Russell's day. It was George Russell's day for three quarters of a day. But as Jashan said, like George Russell's going to have five or six days in 2022. Yeah. It would not He's shock me in the slightest if George Russell, if it might, it wouldn't even surprise me if 2022 just ends up being George Russell's year. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily, but like if George Russell comes out and beats Lewis Hamilton for the title in 2022, I, I that's it. I would be pleasantly, I would, I would be surprised, but not like shocked mm-hmm. or shocked, but not surprised. Absolutely. I know. So this this was Perez's chance. Yeah, okay, sure. You know, a whole bunch of things went wrong. But we can count that for so many wins. And I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, okay, Gasly had to fight off Carlos Sainz. But he was only fighting Carlos Sainz off for the win because of a really lucky break with when his pit stop was with the safety car and because Lewis Hamilton got turfed out of the lead because of a Mercedes fuck-up. Otherwise, what do you fucking do? Gasly's fighting off... Science for P2, and we're all very happy for him in the way we're all very happy for Ocon, but he's still only coming home P2, isn't he? He only won the race. Yes, he, he held out Science, but it, either way, because Science would have then won it, and he only won the race because Lewis wasn't there, because of something, in the same way that Perez only won this because George wasn't there. Because George wasn't there. Bottas, etc., etc. Max wasn't there. And that's the thing. This is, for me, arguably, this is a double, double whammy, because yes, he's got the win, which Gasly got, but frankly, for me, Perez's drive in today on the weekend was a better complete drive than Pierre Gasly's race-winning drive because Pierre Gasly got plunked to the front of the race and then just and clo- closed it off very impressively, but closed it off. Sergio Perez got pushed all the way to the back, recovered and drove, and he drove because he, in many ways, yes, he obviously had, I think, some more pit stops than a few because he had that pit stop right at the start, but he effectively he did a pit stop on lap one and had whoppedy massive one lap less tires than them, but then he effectively did the same pit sequence as everyone else, but drove from the back and used his tires conservatively in a way mm-hmm. that he didn't have to have a whole bunch of pit stops, and he was able to move up. By made some glorious. That's moves. the thing. He got a few of those spots. Yes, it all went wrong for Sainz and Ricardo with the VSC, but I, th- I think they may have still fed out behind Perez. They just would have been closer to him. For once, for once, Racing Point actually got and, the strategy correct. Yeah, and the thing is, Perez didn't have to come in for those fresh sets of tyres because he didn't feel he needed to. He didn't... I honestly... I was kind of expecting they might come in when Bottas and Russell did. But they obviously felt that, you know, 
they could have a real crack and maybe hold off the Mercedes if they stayed mm. out. And yes, was Russell closing in him and was Russell probably going to get him? I think so. But it wasn't like Russell was closing in on him at the rate of a second a lap like he did on everyone else. He was having to do it three-tenths, one-tenth, sometimes almost no-tenths at a time. And so, you know, with the good straight-line pace that that Force India has shown, I think Perez would have been a chance to at least been in the fight with him and possibly hold him off. Because that All racing right. point... That yeah. racing point was the fastest car in the speed uh, traps, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yes. It, we, it and was, that, which uh, is it where the overtaking spots comparable are. Comparable with the Mercedes on the speed. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a rebuttal, Spencer, uh, from that 10-minute dialogue? I told you I had a lot to say about Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that, those are all good points. But, like, you're, like, like the biggest thing that I'm going to poke holes through is you saying, like, oh, George was only picking up three tenths here, two tenths there, like, one tenth there. It's like, if... If Sergio Perez was so much faster than the Mercedes, why was he still a full pit stop away from them when everybody else pitted and he was there? And why was he not making any ground on the Mercedes? Like it was the fact that yeah, no the safety car. Like you look at I'm not saying he was You look at the pit stop summaries. He could have held his own. You look at the pit stop summaries and fucking Sergio Perez came in on lap 47, right? Yep. Then the virtual safety car came in around lap like in the mid 50s. And then the Mercedes came yep. in at the start of the lap 60s. So you're telling yep. me that if he, if Sergio Perez, like if that safety car doesn't come out, those Mercedes go yep. to the end of the race and it's one, two Mercedes. Yeah. He was blessed yep. by that safety car to yep. start with, just to start with, just yep. that safety car blessed him. And then yep. on top of that, yep. George Russell had to go back into the pits that. again. And then George Russell was hunting him down even more. Yep. And then it took for yep. George Russell to then get picked again. And I'm not saying yep. that nobody else would have caught him. But if Mercedes didn't have that, like, the colossal of colossal fuck-ups, as Toto called it, a monumental brain snap, like, Sergio Perez is yep. finishing third again. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm saying that, like, he... Yep. I'm happy that he won, but he only won because of a one in a million thing occurring. And that I don't think that but we all should I'm saying, be... But all I'm like saying your... is that's exactly how Pierre Gasly won and you weren't saying this. You were fucking sucking Gasly's dick of how good is this win. If Lewis Hamilton... Gasly only Coda, won... Lewis Hamilton wins this. Well, yeah, if Lewis Hamilton... But, like, Gasly only... Yeah, George Russell doesn't even get a chance to win this if Hamilton doesn't get COVID. And that's just as one in a million. Great point, Deshaun. Mm. Fucking... Well, thanks, bro. Unite. But, like, if Lewis Hamilton... If Mercedes don't make the... And Hamilton don't somehow fail to see this red flashing light at Monza, mm. which, A... I've never seen that happen in 12 years of Formula 1. I don't think I've ever seen pit entry be closed. So that's even more one in a million. I've seen teams fuck up tyres before. No, but... We, but how many, Lewis, but Lewis how many doesn't drop to the back of... Lewis doesn't times? drop to the back of the pack and Gasly's nowhere near being able to win that race. So what's your point? Why was Gasly's win more justifiable and deserves to be celebrated than Perez's win. But what are you, they like, were both like what, entirely fraudulent. But what you're doing Mercedes right now is, like, you say, like, oh, like, okay, Spencer, you talk, and then I talk for, like, 30 seconds, and then you butt in, and then you start bringing up different things that I've said that have absolutely no yes. context or bearing to this argument, and then you just talk over me again. So you don't actually give me a chance to say anything. You give me 30 seconds, and then you talk <clears> over <throat> me for five minutes. Like, you just have, you just, like, if it was the other way around, if it was Lance Stroll that won this race and Sergio Perez finished third, you'd have a completely different idea on this. It's only because you bought into the F1 hype train and you saying, oh, like, if, if Sergio, if Sergio Perez doesn't get a race next year, 
if Sergio Perez doesn't get a, get a race seat next year, then he wouldn't get another chance to win again. If you'd actually done research, you would have seen that Sergio Perez, if he sits out 2021, has offers on the table for 2022. I know so he has like offers on the table F1. for 2022. So then don't come up with a point to try to feed into the F1 bullshit. Hmm? Like, what are you talking Mate, about? I started the fucking hype train on Sergio Perez deserving a drive for F1. You don't say I'm falling onto it. I said this from the first second, people saying, ooh, Vettel might go to Racing Point. I was like, that'd be fucking bullshit. Perez doesn't deserve to lose his drive. I've been saying this since fucking Hungary. But don't again, say I'm jumping on the hype you, train. You're doing, you're doing the exact same thing. Like, you don't let me finish my talk, sentence. You, talk, find okay. half, you find half talk. of my sentence. You find a word or you find a sentence that you're going to attack. And then rather than let me finish my sentence to make my complete point, you just keep All attacking right. the little things that I've said. Five, you know, Spencer, have the floor. Five minutes. I won't say anything. Oh. Put your whole point oh. out there. Okay, here we go. I said, and I'm on record again, it's saying that I was happy and that I nearly teared up when Sergio Perez won the race because for him, it was a big moment. But what I don't like and what I don't enjoy is this whole thing from F1 that whenever, like, whenever Lewis Hamilton wins a race, they always look at all the reasons as to why he won the race. They always go like, oh, well, he was driving the Mercedes. The Mercedes is the fastest car. Like, he's the best driver on the grid. Like, he's got this working for him. Like, Mercedes is the best team. But then with the Sergio thing, we get into this, like, like this media hyper overdrive of, like, always looking at all the good things that happen and why Checo deserved and everything else. And I'm not saying that Checo didn't deserve this win. He did, because last weekend he was fucking robbed of a podium. That's bad luck. That's unfair. The fact that he's uh, scored the second most points in the last three races while not finishing last weekend is another testament to how good that he is. But all that I was, all my point was saying was that he had to have a lot of things go right for him. And then even taking away from the fact that he got fucking turfed on lap one, he was allowed to go in, grab new tyres, and that's it. Everybody else on that grid was on the on the tyre strategy that they had to go on from the start, whereas Sergio Perez was gifted a new tyre strategy. And by lap 10, like that, and that's the thing as well, like we're talking about like that Pink Panther, like we said, was the, sec like was the, hot, was the fastest in the speed trap all weekend. So it was easily the second best car on the grid. That's one of the reasons why it went through so many people. But then again, he was then blessed with multiple things that happened and saying that, oh, well, George Russell wouldn't have been in the car if Lewis Hamilton didn't get COVID. All right. If George Russell wasn't in the Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton wins that race. So I can make that Absolutely. argument right there. All right. Like, all I'm saying is that it was a great win and that it's good for F1 and it's good for Mexico for them to be able to put it all over the place that Sergio Perez is a new race winner and there's now been 13 different people on the podium this year and that's awesome because there's been 21 drivers and, oh, my God, F1. So, but we just, like, like, we can't look too far forward from the fact that, like, a lot of things had to go right for Sergio Perez for this win to happen and all of those things did. Like, they took a gamble pitting him on lap 47. That was a pit stop where they were saying, like, look, like, right now, like, we're happy with the points finished because we, we started the race in 20th, effectively, or 18th, sorry. They got lucky with the virtual safety car. And then to say, like, oh, you know, like, Ricardo and Sainz, like, they didn't have the pace, like, yada, yada. That's fair enough. But Lance Stroll couldn't get past any of those guys in the fucking racing point. Like, all race. And oh, they were Lance Stroll good. did not deserve that podium. But Lance Stroll couldn't get past no. Ocon. Perez did. Uh, Sorry, Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo agrees with, with, with Spencer, by the way. Ricardo had... Um, I disagree with Ricardo. Ricardo came out and said that, you know, we shouldn't have let uh, Sergio Perez come from last to win that race. Yeah. That's a lot of our teams are at fault for that one, which was an interesting... Yeah, 100% well, it is. Like, and you look at Lance Stroll. Like, Lance Stroll had the... Out of all the fastest laps, or, like, all the drivers' fastest laps, his fastest lap was 0.004 seconds faster 
than Jack Aitken. <laughs> and he finished in third. Esteban Ocon, Esteban Ocon's fastest lap was only 0.038 seconds faster than Lance Stroll. Like, these guys, like, yeah, they got the podium and, like, it's good for them, but, like, it was, there was so much luck that went into it that, like, I, like, and I'm pissed off that, like, we were robbed of multiple things in that race. Like, like Max Verstappen was definitely odds on to be a fucking contender in that race, right? Mm-hmm. We can say what we want about Charles, like, probably wouldn't have been. But the fact is that Sergio needed a lot of things to go right to get into that position to begin with. And then, like, smart racing from him. That's always his thing, right, is he's the safe, dependable guy. But safe, dependable is what Valtteri Bottas does in the Mercedes, and we lament him for it. Like, going forward and being hard and being fucking a little bit, like, bougie, if you will, is George Russell overtaking him on the outside of turn seven. Like, I'm saying that Sergio, like, all, like, Sergio Perez just literally let the race unfold in front of him, and by the end of it, he was in front. And then George Russell would have caught him and would have overtaken him in that Mercedes, and he would have got the win. And we were robbed of that because of, like, and again, we talk about, like, oh, this didn't happen, this didn't. Like, Mercedes, like, any F1 team, any F1 team getting the wrong tyres on the wrong cars is a, mon- like, they literally train. They train these guys. They pay these guys high money to not get these things wrong. And then they oh, got yeah. that wrong. And then, like, George Russell, like, literally overtook Lance Stroll like he was driving in a fucking, te- like, in a goddamn Vespa. You know yeah. what I mean? And then he was coming on, like, and he was coming onto Sergio hard and fast. And like you said, Sergio was on those tyres since lap 47. You actually said that, not George, George Russell was on tyres that he changed on lap 66. Mm-hmm. So he was on 20 lap tyres, like tyres that were 20 laps fresher. So even if those opening th- in those opening laps he was only catching him at 0.1 or 0.2 or 0.3, in those last five laps he would have been catching him at a second a lap because he would have had a better car with better tyres. No, like, but what do you... Like, what do you mean, though? Like, I can say that, like, oh, well, I'm not sure that Sergio would have won if there wasn't a safety car. It's the exact same thing. And I got lament, and I got, like, yeah. well, torn yeah, out okay. for that. We can agree. No, but we, Sergio, we know Sergio wouldn't have won. We like Sergio. Yeah, we, we can all agree Sergio had a great race. And he, do, you know, do I not get to be rebuttal one now that I've let Spencer make no, a full I'm, point? No, I'm interjecting. You can fuck off. I don't... You can... I've got... I've, I've, I'll be, I'll I've taken notes on what Spencer said so I can correctly I'll rebuttal them. i 30 seconds. I'm oh no! No! All oh, right. I thought I thought you were just moving us on. No, no, no! I'll take oh no! Seconds. Carry on then. Uh, Sergio Perez. We all love that he won. Obviously, he was lucky. And look, in theory, Mercedes would be a one-two every single week if everything always went according to plan, and Max Verstappen would be third every single week if everything yes. went according to plan. This was exciting, and yeah, it was a shame that we got robbed of a few things. I predicted Max Verstappen to win. I kind of wanted him to win just to shut Matthew up a little bit. Wasn't to be. I mean. He can win. I still think he's a dick. <laughs> he's just a very successful dick. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, this is a I spicy one. I don't oh. necessarily disagree with anything Spencer's saying. Like, but what I would say, you talk tires. Yes, obviously Perez got to go put a fresh set on. No one was stopping any of the other guy. Vettel was a fair way down the field. Wouldn't have hurt Vettel to pull it and put tires on. Albon could have done it. They chose not to. Perez only did it because he had to. If Perez, is, if Perez was just at the back and his tyres were fine, he probably wouldn't have come into pit. But he had mm-hmm. to pit. So no one's... Yeah. No, but because he was on a different tyre strategy, because he got to put on a fresh set of wheels yeah. on lap one. Yeah. But, you know, nothing was stopping anyone else doing that. 
I, my, my point is, again, I, I get what you're saying. I, I completely agree. Obviously, Perez only won this race because of the extenuating circumstances, mostly around Mercedes race. But that's basically every single race that hasn't been won by Mercedes for about the last six years, with the exception of the 70th anniversary Grand Prix this year, which I think Max legitimately won just because Red Bull had a better setup on their car. But Pierre Gasly's win was, oh, that was a legit win. shit happening to Mercedes. Um, in a large part, Brazil last year was only really because of weird shit heading to Mercedes. Germany was only because Lewis Hamilton decided to drive off the track in the rain. Now, obviously, that's a more natural thing than a pit stop fuck up, but it's still only because something went wrong for the best team, the best car. Like, you, every single win that Daniel Ricciardo has in his career has only come on a weekend where Hamilton or Mercedes or both Whoa. fucked up. You wash your mouth out about no, 2017 no. Monaco. I, oh, sorry. No, yes, you make a fair point. That Monaco win was... Or 2018. Legit. Yes. No, no, you make a good point. Monaco, which is a unique circuit in Monaco, that was legit. He got fucking pole. That was amazing. But all of these early wins in his career, the win in Canada in the first year, the win that followed that in Hungary, the win in, I think he might have won Belgium as well that year, all of those were races where things went wrong for Mercedes, and Daniel Ricciardo was the guy to pick up the scraps. And I think there is something in being the guy who was there in the position to pick up the scraps when it went wrong. And Sergio Perez had to put in a hell of a drive to get there. And yeah, I, again, I agree. I agree with the per, um, with the Ricardo and science and they shouldn't have let him get ahead of them, but I'm not so sure they would have kept him behind him. And in theory, those guys went in and put on some newer rubber. Why the hell could they not catch and overtake Stroll and Ocon? They were on better tyres. What was their excuse? They had no pace once they were there. So what's to say that Perez, who was driving away from those guys on his old tyres when they were on fresh tyres, wouldn't have just driven them down anyway if they had been in front of them and passed them? And then still won the race. And so, okay, in, and I'm not saying it would have happened, but in that hypothetical, if all the Mercedes shit still happens, but Sainz and Ricardo don't get fucked by the VSC, and they restart first and second with Perez and third, and Perez overtakes both of them to win, does that change your narrative? What was that, sorry? So if if all the Mercedes shit had happened and if Russell and Tolas and Hep Bottas had got fucked, but Sainz and Ricardo didn't get screwed by the VSC and they restarted that final restart first and second, Perez restarted third, and he had have overtaken both of them and won, does that change your narrative on this race and how much Perez, like, deserves the victory or, you know, some, you know, Russell's day was taken away from him. Well, not so much the Russell's day. That was obviously... Yeah, definitely. Because okay. the, like, the, like, Ricardo was 2.7 seconds off Esteban Ocon in seconds and then Sainz was 0.7 seconds ahead. And, like, like and again, like, it, it's good team racing, right? Like, Lance Stroll's job is to, like, you know, protect the podium and to make sure that guys behind him that are in a, in a chance to get the constructors ahead of them, to keep them behind them. But, yeah, that VSC fuck-up, like, the like you say, like, oh, like, why didn't Sainz and Ricardo catch up to them? Like, Sainz was 0.7 seconds behind Stroll at the end of the race. Like, yeah, but he had... They were, he, they were definitely there. They just couldn't overtake them. And like but, okay, in that like they, and that racing point, like we said, like with that top speed, it's so hard to overtake a car that's the fastest down that straight. Because like for Lance Stroll, he had the 14th fastest lap, and that includes Charles and um, Max not getting one. So Lance Stroll literally was slow all day long. Yep. He was just lucky in that 
the things that happened and then he just got to have a car that was slow around the corners in that top section where you can't overtake unless you're George fucking Russell and then like down the straights like he could just put overtake on and we know that Ocon is a good defensive driver yeah oh no I don't disagree with that I think kind of my point somewhat in that you make there's a thing they couldn't get past Stroll down the straight because of how good that straight line speed of that four seat um, sorry racing point is to my point kind of I think the pace he was showing, I don't think you can just say, oh, well, they would have driven away from Perez on the restart. And Perez was the fastest car in the straight line. So Perez would have had a really good chance of passing them down that straight. No, 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 yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm not think, saying that, but... I still, I still think Perez was the most likely person to win this race once it all went tits up for Mercedes. And I think to just go, oh, well, it went tits up for Mercedes... Oh, fucking oath he was. I think just to say, oh, it went tits up for Mercedes... We need to, I don't, and I don't disagree that the media hasn't really noted how it went tits up Mercedes, and that's why Perez won. But my point is, I don't think they did that when Gasly won, and I sure as hell don't remember you saying, ah, but you know, fuck, no one's pointing out how Gasly only won because of what happened to Hamilton. We all did, yes, but you were still basically have to be like, oh, dude, oh, Hamilton, you know, went to shit, but fucking, how good was Gasly though to put himself in that situation and make it happen? Why isn't you know? I'm just yeah, not Spencer hearing. I'm not that, hearing yeah. you say that to Paris about Paris at the same level. You've put much more focus on ah, uh, but he's own because no one's he, giving attention because he got out. He got out in front with the fastest car. He had the fastest top speed, and it was so it's so much harder to overtake him when he's overtaking a backmarker every fucking two seconds. It gives him DRS. Like I will say that like the like. Anybody that puts the anybody that puts the Gasly like they're always going to be compared. Well, having put that to rest, I suppose, we'll move to something we possibly can all agree on a little bit more. Obviously, Perez winning this race once again brings up the whole talking point of his future for next year in that Red Bull seat. Um, mm. I think once again, he, he made... I mean, well, actually, you know, let's set aside his win. I think his drive to third place was a fairly emphatic... I am a better option than Alex Albon, especially paired with Alex Albon's drive to failing to score points. Mm. Um, oh, you compare you compare that third place to Albon's last week, where he just inherited it from Paris's own engine. Destroyed it. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that that says all you need to know. But I mean, even this week, uh, Alex Albon struggled in qualifying. Had a slow start. Was pretty mediocre for the majority of the race. Had some nice moves. There was one on Norris around the outside as usual. That was quite slick, and he made a few nice passes towards the end there. To a, I think it was P six. He came P6. Did yeah. he come P6? Yeah. Oh! Uh, yeah, he did with a few guys shaking around with tyres and that, didn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, which in theory is not terrible, but it's also not what you need. Like, this is a guy who's fighting for his seat at Red Bull and his career because Christian Horner came out and basically just said, okay, Albon is not in France toasts, French Toast's plans for AlphaTauri next season. Not happening. He will not race for AlphaTauri, so it's Red Bull or bust for Alex Albon. So you know, I think. Also, I was going to say because I forgot to mention it last week's podcast. But after he got that P three inherited from Perez, yeah, Max Verstappen. Yes. This is the one. The one thing I've agreed with Max Verstappen in about seven months. Yes, Max Verstappen I was, was like, ah, oh, yeah. I don't think it was that impressive. We really shouldn't be like, oh, good on him for yeah, getting no, that podium. To, it was Ziggo Sports. I love. It's always Ziggo Sports. I don't think that if you drive twenty or forty seconds behind your teammate, that's very good. I can just be honest about that, right? It was a shame for Checo too because I thought he drove a very strong race. 
the words of a man who very clearly wants a different teammate next yes. season. Yes. Although so, I think it's Hulkenberg who he wants, but I'm sure, he, sure he'd take Perez. So Max is a bit fed up. Christian Horner keeps saying the same bullshit in the press. We want Alex in there. We're giving him every opportunity possible, but, like, this is an opportunity. Yes, it's just Christian Horner continuing to be the either the most likable, dislikable guy or the least likable, likable guy on the planet. Yes, he's, so, a, he's a very strangely camp, yet posh... He's a very interesting man, Christian You're saying Horner. you can't be camp and posh at the same time? No, I'm just struggling. There's not really a word you to describe You can't categorise Christian, Christian Horner. He's a very no, Christian cannot. Horner individual. He is. He, he is he the most Christian is. Horner, Christian Horner on the planet. I agree. Um, but the fact is, Max Verstappen crashes out. Leclerc yeah. crashes out. Lewis Hamilton gets COVID. The two Mercedes get fucked. Ricardo and Science ruin their pits. Alex Albon has to be the man. Yeah, there, that's what I was going like. As a sixth place, and sixth place in that circumstance, that's a tenth. Like your teammate's gone from the first lap. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. The two best cars on the grid are like get like stuffed, mm-hmm. and then the two guys that finish ahead of you and Signs and Ricardo. And this is the thing, like, like Albon's Red Bull isn't the same as Verstappen's Red Bull. Right, like the when Red Bull is driving, like you don't look at that Red Bull as being the fourth best car on the grid. Like you put Sergio Perez into that car, no, and it becomes all. a completely different, like a completely different thing. Like you look at, like, like I need to do the stats, but just like him, like Perez versus Verstappen would look pretty good for Perez, but Perez versus Albon. It would look like somebody pistol whipping a blind kid. Oh, yeah. Like he's just in a car that is like not supposed to be as good as Red yeah. Bull. Like, and that's the thing. Like in this race here and in last week's race, like you would assume that the Mercedes-powered Pink Panther would do a lot better. And that's one of the great things about F1, right? Is that different tracks like suit different cars a lot better. But when when there are races where we expect the Red Bulls to have pace and Max Verstappen is running very well, Albon's nowhere to be seen. And, like, both of Albon's podiums as well have been Sergio Perez's engine blowing up and looking like a Bunsen burner. Or was it, I think, Imola, where there was that absolute debacle of a pit restart and then a lot of, like, Lance Stroll's car, like, they were testing new parts, like, he went off the track. And it was just that thing where it was the same thing, where it was just like, oh, like, Albon just picked up enough pieces at the end to get himself into... So Yeah, sorry, Mugello. And he just... In, like, yeah. all we did was pass Ricardo. Right? If if and it, and we do and we have like we talk a lot of smack about Valtteri Bottas, but at least Valtteri Bottas <laughs> puts that car where it should be. Like if Alex Albon finished, like if Alex Albon's worst worst race, where like this is it, like Valtteri Bottas's worst race where something doesn't go monumentally wrong is like third or second. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what Dude, you expect when Alan you're a guy. behind Verstappen in every single race Yeah, that Max has actually completed. He's not qualified ahead of him either. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, because we, we, we made that point. To touch back to, I guess, your point about Perez winning the race, Spencer. Perez of, like, Perez, you know, Perez won that race because Perez was the first driver who didn't have something go, like, wrong in the race. Like, you know, he, he effectively finished in his natural position. Nothing went wrong, and he was, like... The two guys ahead of him in the champ, what the guy of the three guys ahead of him in the championship, one didn't, one wasn't even there, one got complete, one got completely fucked with pit shit, one didn't finish. Perez finished the highest up of everyone in the championship in his sort of rightful spot. Now obviously Albon's way further down the championship, but looking at cars in that, 
logically, Albon should be car four on the grid. Yes, at and worst, you know, maybe car we'll five. say he can be car five because Charles is, Charles is so goddamn good that Charles's shit box doesn't. Like Charles is the shit box whisperer. It doesn't matter that he's car shit. So Albon should be fifth. And in this race, Mister Guy number one, Lewis Hamilton, wasn't there. Guy number two, Valtteri Bottas. Well, sorry, no, we we'll go. Guy number two, Verstappen, crashed mm. out. Guy number three, Bottas, got completely fucked. Old. Guy number four, Charles Leclerc, crashed out. Albon, it wasn't even like, oh, guy number five, Albon, got narrowly beat out or beat out by guy number six, Sergio Perez. Albon got beat out by guy number six, Sergio Perez. Guy number seven, Daniel Ricciardo. Guy number eight, um, Carlos Sainz. Guy number nine, Lance Stroll. Guy number 14, Esteban Ocon. That's a very quick, quick fire ranking system you've brought out. You've you've brought out there, man. Well, it sort of just goes linear <laughs> down, like the best driver in the car, then yeah. the next, the best driver. But Alcon's way below. He's twenty two points yeah, ahead of Gasly. That's just not. He's twenty two points ahead of Gasly. Mm. For fuck's sake! Like in the same, like mm. in like not the same car, in like a car that should well, he's be behind Lance Stroll. Who's is he? He's he's only he's behind Carlos, Charles, Daniel, Perez, Max, Bottas, and Lewis. Verstappen is, and after like and like I would like to see how many DNS. How far ahead of Lance is he? Um, to nineteen points. Which okay, it's a fair margin, but he's also nineteen points behind ahead of a guy who before this weekend had two points in. Seven he's ninety six points behind Max, oh, which a, means yeah. before those six races. He was 17 points in front of Lance. And Gasly slumped towards the end of the season as well. There was a while there where Gasly and Albon were like on par points-wise, which is crazy yep. to think about. Alpha Tauri, by the way, are, I think, 95 points ahead of Alfa Romeo. So props to Alpha Tauri. And Fiat had a good race as well, so shout-out to my boy. He did. He did. <laughs> well, if... Um, if, if well, actually, I was going to say, I was about to say, if, you know, if Kvyat's... I'm sorry if Albon's categorically not in Toss's plans. That means it's Kvyat if Sonoda's not there. But Sonoda, Sonoda actually, we should say why well, that. Sonoda did did his job. He finished his requisite top five in Formula Two. Actually, had a very good weekend. Mm-hmm. So um, he will, I imagine, be getting his super license. And yeah, can't wait to have a twelve-year-old in the grid next season. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. A twelve. It's funny because we'll have a twelve-year-old, but we'll also have a literal petulant child. But we'll get more into that <laughs> later. Straight up, right here. Alex Albon has retired from one race this year. One race, right? Max Verstappen has retired from five, and Verstappen is still 96 points ahead of him. Wow. Alex Albon had a, like, Alex Albon has a 100-point buffer on potential points that he could get, 104 if he can't fast a slap over Max Verstappen, and he's still 96 points behind him. He's done. Like he's just done. Like you, and I don't care how good Max Verstappen is. Like when, and that's the thing. Like when Max Verstappen is out of those five races, that's an extra position that you should be getting, right? That's that's at least the thing that you would like that you would think. It hasn't been so. Verstappen yeah. goes out of Austria. Um, Albon gets thirteenth, and then Verstappen bombs out of Italy and Tuscany. 15th for Albon in Italy, and then mm-hmm. third in Tuscany. So that's pretty good. That's not bad, right? And then Verstappen is out of the... What's EMI? The fuck is that? EMI. Well, either way, Verstappen got out of that race. It was Imola. Imola. Albon finishes 15th. And then Verstappen gets out of Sakia and he finishes 6th. So out of the five races out that Verstappen hasn't been there, he's been in the podium once, he's been in the points twice... 
and then another three he wasn't even in the points. So even when like one of Red Bull's drivers is ha- like is retired, Alex Albon can't get out of the top fifteen. Or sorry, can't get it can't get out of the top like can't get into the top ten. You're kidding me. Good quality stats, mate. That's good. That's good quality. He's stuff. just shit. Oh mate. And then that goes like at the end of he's last just, year. Here's a dead man walking. End of last year was good, right? He was like he went into the Red Bull in Belgium, and then from there he went fifth, sixth, sixth, fifth, fourth, fifth, fifth. 14th in Brazil, fair enough, got spun out, and then 6th in Abu Dhabi. That looks pretty solid. But then from there, man, like his highest his highest position outside of those podiums is a 4th in Styria. And that was like 40 seconds behind Max in the, the second best Shocking car. That is the highest the position you can, finish, you can get without a podium. He should have a win. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. it's after, like, after this season, like, could you imagine if Daniel Ricciardo was in a Red Bull this year? Could you fucking imagine... Oh, mate. He's got 100 points oh, for yeah. Renault. Well, if Daniel Ricciardo was in a Red Bull this year, Daniel Ricciardo would probably have two... He'd have 150 points. You'd probably, He'd have 150 I mean, points easy. Dan, Dan, Daniel's won Monza. Daniel won today if he's in a Red Bull. Uh, second half of the season, Carlos Sainz. First half of the season, Lando Norris. What are we? Et cetera, et cetera. For, like any of these guys, if they were in Albon's car... Yeah. ...are outperforming Alex. Albon. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. And like again, there is there is so and that's the thing like there is so much talent in the low in the junior formulas that isn't going to get a spot on the grid and maybe not even spots in the junior formulas in the case of Callum Mylott that it seems ridiculous that Albon with this much of an underperforming season can maintain a seat Mm. and again obviously you know you've already got a Nico Hulkenberg waiting without a drive you've you know got. If he gets the seat, Stoffel you've got Perez without that. But heck, you know, I'd even... Like, what is... Know, if what guys is this? like Romain Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen are being axed out of the sport, why can Albon stay? Yeah, I know he's yeah, young. Yeah, man, that's he's it. He's the earliest stage of his career. But, but he's like, showing fuck all. But he's not so young why does anymore. Because we've seen other guys who get two years and just get turfed out. Yeah. Stoffel Van Dorn only got two seasons in a shit box of a car, did nothing, got kicked out. Why does Albon get to stay? Being 24 in F1 in 2020 is like being fucking 30 in the 1980s. Like, like you said, like, what, oh, yeah. what market well, is there? What market is there for a guy who drives his car to 75%? Because if you put him in the Alpha Tauri or you yeah. put him in the fucking Alfa Romeo or you put him in the Williams, like, if we put him in the Williams next to Latifi, do we think he's going to go much better than Latifi? Mm. And that's the thing. Like, he was gifted an opportunity that literally well, was probably seven, sure. 17, 17 other drivers right now would probably take the Red Bull seat. The only three that, well, sorry, 17, obviously, Max has it. And then I would say that Lewis and Bottas would say, fuck off. And then every other driver would be like, yeah, give me that Red Bull. He hasn't done anything with it. Like, mm. And I think now, like, Red Bull Maybe have to realise that the... They thought that they'd like, and we talked about it before. We thought they they thought they broke the they they broke the system by putting a young guy into a fast car, and that because it worked with Verstappen, that it was going to work for everybody else. But it's shown now that like you can't have a driver dynamic that's like that unless you are genuinely like a rebuilding team. Because even like McLaren this year, like you're telling me that McLaren wouldn't have done better mm-hmm. if they had a Sebastian Vettel in that car or a. Like, what's another example? Like uh, Kimi Raikkonen or something like that. Like, uh, just a level head that knows, like, if this car is expected to get eighth, 
you, he, the worst he will finish is ninth. Whereas with Albon, every race weekend, it's like, this car looks like it's got some pretty good pace. Ah, uh, he finished 12th. And he's always bitching yeah, on the radio. He's always bitching about something. Like, this, this fucking imagine if what happened to Al, like, what happened to Russell happened to Albon this weekend. He'd be just, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's tough going, guys. Like, yeah, thank you. Like, I appreciate all the work on the weekend. He doesn't have it anymore. He's lost it. It's gone. Like, and once this it's gone in a place this like Formula One, you're not going to get it back. Quote. This is what pisses me off the most is he just lacks something, right? After the race, it wasn't bad. I don't think it was a bad performance. Just one of those races where we were behind Sergio for most of the race, and I don't understand quite how it unfolded. I mean, what do you mean you don't understand you were behind Sergio Perez for most of the race? You were slower than Sergio Perez for most of the race. It's pretty fucking simple. I mean, you see, you can better. get it. You can, that comment doesn't bother me. If it happens a cup once, yeah, maybe even yeah. twice a season. But that's always like Lewis Hamilton once said he qualified poorly because he just wasn't feeling it. And I mm. was a bit like, well, fucking, if you're anyone else, you don't get to say But, like, it didn't matter because it's Lewis Hamilton. That comment's okay if it's very isolated. But he says something to that effect every single week. And you're like, yeah. well, I can tell you what happened, Alex. It's that you don't know what happened. Again, because you don't know what you're doing, he keeps which going. is why you don't know how it's happened. He keeps going. It was just tricky because the configuration we had downforce-wise was very hard to race with because we were good in the corners. Well, Sector 2 where you can't do anything, and then obviously Sector 1 and Sector 3, it was difficult. So I was doing these really dive bombs into Turn 1 to overtake cars, which made it difficult. I don't know. I'm sure we could have done a bit better, but P6... I don't think we could have gone much better than we did. Well, Bullshit. if that's the case, why was Max able to put such a worldy lap if he was so goddamn slow on the straights? And you can get overtakes in P2, because A, George, obviously George is George, but George did. And I'm pretty sure a couple of other guys did pull off moves through there as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can do it. He makes excuses for himself every week. And it's just uh, like, yeah, man. And you've got guys like Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz came fourth. Carlos Sainz came fourth. He's, his second best result of the year, obviously, apart from that uh, podium in the famous Gasly race. Um, he's now got six... Um, is it six points finishes in a row now? He's only one of two drivers to have done that. Guess who the other driver is? Matthew Hume. Is it Esteban Ocon? No, including Secure. You know, Ocon came... It's not, yeah, it's not Ocon. No, no. Um, Ocon's... Kvyat. I wish, but no. Come on. Come on, Spence. you got an idea here, mate. Okay. Lance Stroll. It's not Lance it's not. Stroll. It's not Stroll. Jesus it's Christ. not Perez. It's not... Is it Ricardo? It's Daniel Ricardo. Okay, yeah, no, because yeah, Ricardo hasn't had it on. Daniel yeah. Ricardo, the boy. you got these mid, midfield competitors, direct competition with Albon, who are just consistent, getting results, getting shit done. You've got Esteban Ocon on the goddamn podium, having a good race. Esteban Ocon, he's never been as high... He hasn't been as high as second since 2017, mate. Since 2017. Honestly, Loki estimate Ocon second more impressive than Sergio Perez's win because he's not actually good at driving cars <laughs> and he came second, which was like, bro, yeah, good job. Mm-hmm. And he's acting, he's acting like every car doesn't have issues running into a weekend. Like no car, like even the Mercedes. Like the Mercedes is just that good of a car that like if they have a problem, they can just work around it. But part of the reason why they can work around it is because they have guys, and that's the thing, like, the biggest issue with an F1 driver is if they don't know what they're doing, that means that they can't identify what the problem is and they can't fix it. One of the things that's great about a Lewis Hamilton or a Michael Schumacher 
or even like a Max Verstappen is that they're very knowledgeable with how the car works and they understand the ins and outs of the race car. And so when Michael Schumacher or Lewis Hamilton have issues, they know in that moment how to mitigate the issues to get the best the best possible outcome from that car. And then in the debriefs afterwards, they then talk about it and then they'll say, oh, hey, like I had a lot of issues going into turn two. It felt like the right was slipping out a little bit. Um, in order to do, in order to fix that, we need to probably do this. And then there's engineers, and he, he's acting as if he's racing in a team that isn't the second best team in the grid. Like a team like Red Bull, don't knock off four championships in a row without knowing a little bit to do with cars. Like they literally have like the dream team of top guys there with Christian Horner, Nui, and Frank. Like these, like these guys get F1 cars. Like they just need somebody in there that's going to tell them what the fuck to do because they're not the drivers. They can't drive the car, so they need the driver to you tell them how to fix the thing. You made that point about like other cars having issues and drivers ever coming at that. Like George Russell literally walked into a car that he didn't know how any mm-hmm. of it worked because I don't think George has ever driven the 2020 Mercedes. His last stuff he'd done with them was in the 2019 car. So he had no idea how DAS worked. He no idea what half the buttons did. Mm-hmm. And he drove around it and adapted and acclimatized across the course of the weekend. Alex Albon has had 16 races mm. to figure this car out, and he hasn't got close yet. Look at Nico Hulkenberg. Nico, yeah, Nico Hulkenberg just pops up, and he's, he's like, Nico Hulkenberg popped up in, in Britain, was a bit eh in the first one or two sessions, and by qualifying, I, I see, no, sorry, yeah, no, sorry, qualifying, qualifying when he came in super duper late with that, but the next yeah. one where he was in for much more of it, straight up, he put it in a pretty bloody solid qualifying it's spot. Far? No, so the sec because he was in for the two br- the two Britain weekend, uh-huh. he qualified right at the back for the first one because he only came in just before qualifying, and then the seventieth anniversary Grand Prix he qualified like fourth or whatever. And we were all like, oh my god, no, Nico Hulkenberg, Lance Stroll as well. Yeah, when he came in for Lance Stroll, and I think he still again was, he but, really but like well he'd already car. driven that car. Yeah, 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 true. Still, no, I get you. And it probably has more to the point that he doesn't know what's going on with the car because Red Bull have just stopped developing oh, yeah. the car for him, right? Because they just like. He's not there next year. Like, he can't be. Because Red Bull have historically been one of the better teams in the second half of the season. Because... They're going to pull a snake like, and put an eye on I mean, normally as well, it's because they've been fighting with Ferrari for number two in the constructors. So they've actually got to make a little bit of headway towards that second half of the season. But it's... Like, like you can't compare him to Max because you can't compare anybody to Max outside of Lewis Hamilton. Like, we're pretty firm in our belief that Max Verstappen is probably the second driver on the grid Mm -hmm. and then Charles is third. But, like, that's the same thing with Charles. Like, Charles literally has a fucking new thing to complain about with that Ferrari as every minute goes by during the day. He got it on fourth. On a track that is yeah, literally, literally straight. Gibbons in he, his he, Shut your mouth, he, Alex, he, and just he, drive he, the he, fucking car, yeah. man. So, I mean, Charles, Charles really is at this point. Like, he, he has become the shitbox whisperer. It is... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Charles has put, honestly, Charles has put together one of, the mo- one of the most impressive seasons this season. What he's done in that thing is ridiculous. Um, yeah. We probably do need to move things along. We are, for the second week, running, going I've very... I've two hours, mate. Very I've long. two hours, I'm posting it on Facebook. Uh, oh, I re- oh, yeah. We'll get absolutely. double digit views, you watch. Oh, I reckon. <laughs> I mean, we probably should have for last week's episode, but, you know, what can you do? Mm. Pass us over and done with. Yeah. Um, to move things along, so I think that's just about everything covered from the race. If, if either of you got any last points from drivers within the race itself? Um, yeah, no. I think it was lucky that Aiken didn't have a more serious crash because yep. if his front nose was a little yep. bit more towards that barrier, I, I did just it could have say, been a very, uh, very drama-filled. Potentially but Potentially unpopular opinion here. 
I, I not in not in any sense of actually being happy that the la like the puncture happened to George Russell and that because that was that. But I did think that had those last couple of little things not happened to George Russell, and he had a I mean obviously if he had to chase down Perez and want him a bit different, but it, when it was not guaranteed that Russell was running down Perez, had he not had that puncture, dropped back out of the points and then driven from fifteenth up to ninth. I was going to be a little bit annoyed if they gave him driver of the day. Oh, uh, yeah, Sergio yeah. Perez, who'd come from last to win the race. Like, I get that it was that, and everyone loves George. I love George Russell, but I was a bit like, guys, guys, Perez is going to win you his first race George from Russell. the back. Like, Perez gets... But by um, Mercedes completely fucking George Russell, I was like, ah, well, he overcame, like, three different incidents and still got points. Well, he can have driver of the Lance day. Stroll, who drove a distinctly average race, but still came third. I predicted he would come third. I did. So. I'd just like to say, I intentionally... I can't remember what position I put Perez in on my podium. I know I gave the win to Ricardo because I wanted it to be Perez or Russell, and I didn't want to say them. Um, I feel like I might have left them both off my podium. I strategically didn't strategically didn't predict them just because I was like, if I predict them, it won't happen. So I won't say anything, and hopefully one of them wins. And, and it's just it touching did. in on our uh, predictions, our midfield winner predictions. Racing point now ten points clear of McLaren. I will just say that was that was a big thing for me as that race went on. I'm just saying, I told you guys, Renault was going to bring it home with a pair of Ocon top fives, and he got <laughs> second. I, and I was so I was right. I just wasn't counting on Renault coming second and fourth, in or sorry second and fifth in yeah. the race where um force sorry racing point force, would come first. Force and, point. Force, force point. point. Where force point came first and third. Yeah. So um, my Renault bit was good. You it's got, just the racing point still outdid them. Well, RP one ninety four points. McLaren one eighty four points. Renault one seventy two points. That's the craziest thing. It's still only twenty two points. Yeah. If both racing points fail to finish Abu Dhabi and Ocon and Ricardo can Ricardo and Ocon can pull out one more good drive, Renault can still turn this around. Yep. It has been such a good mid-season battle. It has been quite exciting. But um, on to I think on to on to post-race events. We've obviously already touched on Leclerc's grid penalty for this weekend. Um, COVID update on Hamilton is he is aiming to be around for Abu Dhabi. I'm not expecting it. I, 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 I think that's a very that they, people expect him to race. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't think he like because um, I'm a fucking UFC fan, and when all the COVID things like like shit hit the fan there, Abu Dhabi was the only place they could like host the fights, and they have a like that them and Bahrain have a super super strict COVID protocol, and I'm not sure that even if Hamilton doesn't test positive again if he's going to be able to get in with the mandated time. Like, I don't think if you've tested positive within two weeks, you're allowed to travel into the country. So Mercedes would have to pull a lot of strings to get him there. And I don't think it'd be worth it just to have, yeah. like, Honestly, Hamilton. Honestly, he's already won. I mean, like, Hamilton's a competitor. He probably wants to be there. But just, I don't know. Like, like I think it'd just be they'd have to pull a lot of strings to get it to happen. Well, the word coming out of Hamilton's camp and Toto's camp is that they both expect Hamilton to race. Okay. Because he's already tested negative. Yes, but Christian Horner says that Albon's going to be there next year. So, that is true. Formula One guys yeah, are full of shit. Because well, Albon's averages are better than Pierre's averages. <laughs> is this test cricket now? Yes. Um, obviously, Bring back other... Marcus North. Give Marcus North the Red Bull seat as far as I'm Oh, concerned. absolutely. Other news, Romain Grosjean confirmed and is flowing home. So Romain Grosjean will not be racing in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Um, his time in F1 has come to a close. But I think, as a few people have said, in, in some ways, as much as it's a shame he doesn't get that one last race, it also means the way he's gone out, he has gone out 
experiencing the full love of the F1 community. We probably have showered Roman Grosjean with more praise in the last week or so and, like, positive words than we had in the entire previous rest of the season. Definitely. Um, and so in some ways, you know, obviously no one's going, oh, well, we're glad we've had a fucking horrific crash. But as much as it's a shame he's not going to be there in Abu Dhabi, you know, he's got to go out fear, experiencing the full love. And we've all, you know... Probably, I don't know about you. I mean, just showing, obviously, you've only seen him race this season. I don't know about you, Spencer. But I probably have reflected a little bit fondly about some of the better moments of Roman Grosjean's career and the memories he's left us with. So, you know, he will, in his own oh, uniquely yeah. charming way, he will be missed. Yeah, and it's, you know, obviously, like, with a, like all of this being born from a pretty horrific crash and, like, you know, something that will be, you know, in 20 years' time, we'll be looking back on, you know, like, where were you when, you know, Roman Grosjean had that crash? Um, but it is nice that, um, you know, he is getting the... Like, and that's the thing, like, it's it's so hard, um, and that's what sport is kind of, like, built upon, is, like, you know, constantly, like, you know, striving for greatness and excellence. But for him to be on the grid, like, if you're an F1 driver for what, one race, like, that particular race weekend, you will be one of the 20th best drivers in the world. And he's been an F1 driver for over a decade, Actually, yeah, so... He's definitely, you know, he's, he's of class. Like, when that Haas team was actually competitive, he got them with Magnussen to fourth in the constructors. Um, he's got himself podiums. Like, when Lotus wasn't paying their drivers, like, he still decided to race and got that monumental podium in um, Belgium in, I think, 20... Hmm. Oh, shit. 2013, maybe? A while ago. A while ago. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I mean, there, there genuinely was a time when I thought Roman Grosjean was the next race winner in Formula 1 in terms of, like, new person to win a race. It never eventuated, but there was there was legitimately a time in those Lotus days. Like, if F1 want to get campy with it, like, maybe retire the number 8 from the cars so that nobody else can race in the number 8 car, I don't think they'd go that far because he wasn't as good as the, nah. you know, top, top guys. But... Um, that's sort of like one question I've got is is Fittipaldi or Fittipaldi confirmed to race? Like, can Haas get Mick Schumacher into that car this weekend because his season's done? Or I you'd assume they'd just run it with Fittipaldi, but it would be interesting to see if they gave Mick the debut early. I mean, what what can you lose? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, it's just more experience. You know, it's extra yeah. whole bunch of running. Mick in the young drivers test. Yuki Sonoda's running in the young drivers test. And Fernando Alonso, and Fernando the Alonso youngest driver the young... of them all. Fernando Norris is insane. Guys, guys, I've I don't know about you guys. I, I've I've heard some pretty good things about this young Fernando Alonso bloke. I don't know too much about him, but apparently he could be the real deal. I'm so telling I'm you. Ex- I'm excited to see it. The Lando v Nando rivalry is already real. Oh mate. Um, perhaps, well, not the, the other, probably, I guess, news story that's cropped up this week is, um, yet again, it seems to come at a million miles an hour lately, um, more controversy surrounding, uh, Haas's new signing for next season. Not Mick Schumacher, he's as clean as a whistle, but Nikita Mazepin is putting his foot in it yet again. This time, it was a video that he posted to his this Instagram was story. Ago, so we're actually a bit late on this. It well, it's only only it's only cropped up to people's attention seemingly December in the last. First is what I saw. But it's only a lot of people have only really been chatting about it in the last day or so because I oh, that's I I did from a week ago. Come I'm on, not mate. I'm not saying I'm not come saying it, but like on, what? Come on, mate. What about it? Get your dates in order. Get your dates in order. But yes, I said people talking about it, not when it came out. When people have spoken about it, because that's when I've suddenly seen everything pop up on my social medias and stuff like that. Yeah, it was yeah. today. 
If you're on the Reddits, though, mate. Is uh, I looked at the Reddit. I did, and most of the comments I saw on Reddit were from three days ago. I saw one from a week ago. So. Congratulations. I'm a superior researcher. But yes, there was a... Mm, a but a you cons- didn't watch the whole video well enough to see him grope the woman. No, I, so. saw, I saw the groping. So he's in the car. Oh, no, you said you didn't see the groping. No, you're I, changing I, on, your tune. On replay, I saw the groping. Oh, upon replay. Uh, so, yeah, upon my 30th replay. Yes. Uh, he's, he's in the was car. Was that after you'd already got the other he's part the of the watching it out of the he's way? He's in the car with a couple of mates and a fashion model, and you know, like he's got the camera. He's All like, right, nerd. I do my research, mate. <laughs> They're driving along, they turns around, he kind of grabs her boob, her other boob slips out, nipple shown, and it's just, it's not very... Um, tasteful. Tasteful. It's tasteful, yeah. She flips him off. Um, yeah, it's, it's lovely. I, but this I is think, the latest in a long string. I think that's the thing. It's one of those things, like, isolated, you're a bit like, ah, oh, I, I was going to say, but yeah. It's isolated, it's a bit of a that thing, like, watching it, I'm not even fully like, she's, I don't necessarily know if she's that bothered, it's more just like art and super tasteful. Is. But I also, it's, you know, it's hard to say if she realizes that he's, you know, filming this and posting this to his Instagram story. That's True. a big difference between he like doing that. No, oh, oh, congratulations. <laughs> after it was saved by enough people that it's popped up on Reddit and everything. Yes. And I was able yeah. to find it a whole week after the fact. Yeah. But this is a string, obviously, it goes way, way back to. Um, FIA Formula 3 four or five years ago when he punched Callum Eilat after Eilat held him up in a free practice session because, oh, God, those are so important. Mm -hmm. It's really worth getting into a punch-on with another driver. And again, as I said on last week's show, having obviously only a year, but everything I've seen about it, everything I've seen talk about him, Eilat is not a confrontational bloke in that way. So it's not like Eilat will will be fully Nazapin's just being like, oh. You cut me off. Fuck you. I'm going to get up in your face. I've got the list here. So, yeah, um, he left Eilat with a swollen jaw and a black eye. He's had a bit of history with Yuki Tsunoda. There was a penalty somewhat wrongfully given to Mazepin, which stripped him of a win and gave the win to Tsunoda, and Mazepin throws a marker at nearly hits Tsunoda. And oh, you're not you're not um, mocking that this week like you were last week. Well, I think, that, I mean, look, if that's one thing he's done, then that's yeah. not really an issue. It's the additional stuff. Um, he posted an Instagram uh, Instagram story making a joke about COVID. Yes. Like, uh, the so bird. You, you've, you've found the categorical evidence for all the stuff I knew of but couldn't Wuhan. find. Congratulations to the guy who ate a bat. He did this thing with George Russell um, when George Russell was on Instagram Live and Massapin just comments, I have a secret about you, mate, that people might call a coming out, which is just a bit more creepy than anything else. Well, that's the thing. People sort of said he is showing at times the elements of just racism, homophobia, yeah, yeah, xenophobia. He got a comment. The whole, the whole compliment, really. Of uh, one got of, a full house. Some, someone on Twitter like DM'd him, just saying, "Hey, I got racist messages from your followers. You should tell them that you know they can't do that." And Nikita just responds, "This is a real world Russian flag emoji." Um, he's made a lot of comments about Tsunoda online about how he should go back to. Um, Japan and get into the theater. Um, there's a there's a bit of a weak story about how he's he was having a party in Moscow the same night that some of his dad's workers died in a mining accident, which is kind of more yeah that that's 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 coincidental yeah it's coincidental but but also and then even this weekend just on in terms of on track because that's that's thing you've made a point last week that obviously I was when no no no, okay sorry what else one more one more and then there's there's a string of string of messages. That came out where, like, he's flirting with the girl and he basically pressures her into sending him nudes in exchange for a free paddock part. 
nice. Um, yeah, so that's that's. But yeah, because um, I know you made a point, obviously, when we were talking about it last week, that obviously I was, you know, very bullish about when he was first started looking like he was going to be in that, and that's fair. But I also think half a season ago, I wasn't even aware of any of this stuff with Maz. It's really been he's really it coming comes to down because he's now in a yeah no I, I know but like he's but also he's done a lot of these things in the months since that first sort of started to surface. Like obviously. All the, all the past stuff has more come to light. But the bat thing, and I think a couple of these other Twitter exchanges, this incident of groping the girl out, this has all come in the last few months when he's had a real run of form. There was obviously, you know, because at the time when the first thing with Sonoda happened, I was a bit like, ah. Oh. But again, I guess like you know, I didn't think too much of it because to me that was just an isolated incident. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, yep. he chucks a bit of a, a sook when he, things don't go his way. Mm. But it's just a catalogue. And even this weekend... He, I can't remember, I might have been Drogovic, but he was battling. Was Drogovic was one and there was another one. D- battling, yeah, but battling for that for a couple of different times, particularly down the front straight, they would come and he wouldn't just pull the move to like, you're allowed to move to one side to block and then hold your line, but he would run them well side by side all the way out to the pit wall, mm. often onto like the actual verge and that, almost fully into the pit wall, a la what Schumacher, used, uh, Michael, that is, used to do a few times to rivals and stuff like that. But like, it was just ridiculous. Like, we're not even racing for something as big as, like, a regular Formula Like, obviously, an F2 win's important, but, like, not the same with Grand Prix. You're not competing for the championship. At this point, his championship was only a mathematical possibility. If he did it again on the Sunday, that was completely gone. And yet, he's out here seemingly racing for sheep stations. And as just a whole combination of those factors has me now starting to really, like, it just... It's really hard to justify and accept that this... Like, this person is going to be... Again, with the image that Formula 1 is trying to present, you know? Like, the we... You know, the... Say no to, like, the say no to racism stuff, the, you know... <laughs> we stand together, all those things. You know, F1's fucking around with, you know, the Black Lives Matter stuff symbol on their things, the pride flag yeah. on their things and that like that. And then they're just... Ah, uh, but... Dimitri Mazepin has lots of money, so it's all good in the hood. That's it, right? That's it. didn't come out and say racist things... He just kind of smiled when no, someone else complained no. about racist things. But, you know, yeah, once a catalogue builds up, a catalogue has built up. Like, you know oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. The, in a way, it's kind of, he's played the bad boy role just right, where he hasn't yeah. crossed the line too far just yet. But, yeah, obviously, he's going to come under massive scrutiny. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's how he likes it. Who knows? Maybe but he it wants just, that it just seems an, again, it's in, It seems an odd thing for Haas to watch. And it just, I guess it's one of those things, like, and I obviously I know completely why. It's because Dimitri Mazepin has lots of money. Mm-hmm. Now, but it, it just it's another one of the things. Like it's frustrating enough when someone like a Lance Stroll or because this is the point of all, when someone like a Lance Stroll or a Nicholas Latifi makes the grid and that over someone who you think is more deserving, like a Nick DeVries or something, yeah. because they've got the financial backing. But one thing you can definitely say about both of those two, Lance Stroll and Nicholas Latifi are two of the nicest, like seemingly the nicest blokes on the grid. They're both very, very friendly from everything you see. Very clean cut, very warm, easy to talk to for the journalists and stuff like that. They don't have any, you know, being an arsehole on the internet. Sure. It's a lot more frustrating seeing like someone like Nick Meter Mazepin get given a drive over someone like a Callum Eilat. Yeah. Who has done it, who has done it, well, A, just a better junior track record and a good clean cut. Like Callum Eilat is a guy you can parade out in front of the media and he will put on a good image Yep. for your team and he will produce results that I just don't think like as I said I like what Mazepin can do sometimes in the car 
but he's not going to put the same level of results out that I no. think someone like an Isla would. He's not a bad driver, though. But, yeah, oh, no, no, I know, me, no, me. Like, you know. No. And the thing but, is, yeah. look at Max Verstappen, and he brings a lot of eyeballs. He's driving like Michael Schumacher. Go, go like, next. he's super aggressive. Like, like and it, it crazy me that, like, in a, like, like, a few days after a race where he, like, you know, at best, we could say aggressively defending his position. Like, yeah. but, like, F1 has, like, for a long time, like, whenever Michael, Sch- Michael Schumacher used to be known that if you were going to try to pass him, he would rather the both of you crash out than him willingly give up that position. Like, that's always the way that he sort of raced. And the F1 didn't like that, and they changed a lot of rules for it. Like, the double move rule is something that they brought in where you once you make one particular move to, a, like, a certain point of the track, you can't move again. He had two instances with that in F2 over the weekend, which is, like, bad enough. But then the fact that that's not even what we're talking about. And then, like, Hume, like, you talk about, like, oh, you know, like, F1's trying to create this image and, you know, they're trying to, like, race as one, race as more sort of stuff. And, like, I chuckled earlier about it because, like, that's it. It's like all these things are what the F1 is built upon until money comes into play. And then yeah. that's why Saudi Arabia is going to have a race next year. That's why Nikita Mazepin is going to be racing next year because at the end of the day, F1 is run by one thing and one thing only, and that's money. Yeah. And, like... We we come out here. We say a lot of things about Lance Stroll, but like Lance Stroll as well. Like same as Mazepin. Like you don't, you can't, like you can't pay for an F one seat, right? Like you, no. like there's a certain amount of like you know, oh. you're like you're still going to be doing it pretty much from the age of five. All like, the paid these guys are coming out now. Drivers. Like you know, at the earliest, and even like the guys that aren't pay drivers, you know, like in quotes. Like I was looking at Valtteri hmm. Bottas's website last night. And he's got sponsors that have been with him since he was in like like under sevens go karting. Well, so like Alonso, to a certain degree, everybody has some kind of financial backing around them. Like they all do. Exactly because it's money, and money yeah. money helps the F one world go around. But the thing with Lance Stroll is that yeah, it's like Lance Stroll literally like he is more of a, a goof than anything else. Mm. Like he's almost like too yeah. goofy for my liking because it makes me hate him even more. Yeah. But he's a sweet guy, and like you said, like he's well spoken and is like in his like. Um, post-race interviews like they've got a really cool feature on him at the moment on YouTube hashtag plug um, like about an hour long sort of like documentary just on like his like rise into the F1 and the thing is is that like the the F1 now more than ever has got so many eyes on it and the thing is is that I don't think that you're going to bring like a guy like George Russell brings like like appeases the current viewership and we'll bring in new viewers down the line, right? Because, like, there's just something about... Like, like Lewis Hamilton is a perfect example. Like, people, eat, like, at the start, they wanted him to succeed. Like, F1 has a pretty strong influence in Britain and, like, the English-speaking European area, and the commentators love him. So everyone wanted to see Lewis Hamilton go well. Like, his championship win was huge. And then as soon as he became, like, too good, he then became the hunted. And now people want to watch him fail. Like, one of the reasons why Monza was everybody's favorite race was it was seeing Lewis Hamilton get, like, his wings clipped a little bit. You know what I mean? But with a guy like Mazepin, is he going to appease the current viewership anymore? Probably not. And then is he going to bring along any new viewers to the product? Like, are people that, like, they've got to actually be into F1 first, right, to, like, know who he is. But then if they come there, are they going to like to see a guy who's aggressively, dangerously defending positions? And like you said, it's an F2 race. And, like, yeah, they're racing hard, but, like, 
you've got your seat mm. lined up for next year. Like, why are you doing these things? Like, you could literally just park the car to the side and get out of the car, and you're still going to be racing for Haas well, next like, year. You need to get a like, license as well. Just, Same as and then, the like, the whole... He's got the money, though. He probably would be able to find yeah, a way around he, it. I think he's ah. in the top six. But, like, which, which yeah. yeah. But then, like, it's... it's it's the thing now where five or six years ago, if somebody had something come out on social media and like it looked bad and everything else, like I would feel not sorry for them, but I would feel more sorry for them then than what I would now. Like your social media profile is literally like, it's like, especially for like these like yeah. guys that like you want more people viewing your social media because more views means more money, more sponsorships, yada, yada, yada. That is literally like, that is part of your livelihood. That is part of your money maker. Don't post yeah. anything on there. Well, like, it's a, like, and boom, like, you don't have just don't do it's it, a, man. It's a good point with each increasing generation that sort of comes through sports, and like particularly sports and like motorsport, where like you, you know, I mean, all, all sports, you've had this goal. If you're someone who has your goal is to make it to the top of your sport, the further we get into these generations, like you know, the guys, the guys who were coming into the sports as youngsters five, six years ago, and stuff got emerged from their social media from five, six years before that, you know, 10 years ago, none of us had any idea that social media would still be such a prevalent force now. So you didn't think about it as much of what you're that. But if you're coming into the sport now and that, and you were saying dumb shit five years ago, five years ago, social media was already like the biggest thing on the planet. You, you should be aware that, you know, this is now going to be around. And if you do make it to where you want to make it, people are going to be looking at it because we'd already seen countless stories of other people making it and then having something get exposed on their social media and it bringing it crashing down for them. So, yeah, why are you putting it out there? Yeah. And the other thing with Mazepin is it's not like it's just shit that he did six, seven years ago as a 14-year-old. All of this stuff is from the last couple of... Well, apart from, you know, the punching of Ireland and stuff like that, most yeah. of this stuff has come from the last few years when he's been Absolutely. in his 20s. It is contemporary stuff he that he's doing. He is still very young. He's what, 21. Like, oh, he is still young, but yeah, it's like, like, you know... And Gunther came out and said, like, yeah, okay, we've got our work cut out with this kid. Like, got a lot to teach him. And I don't know if Gunther Steiner is necessarily the Hot perfect... Hot tip man. for next season. Brilliant. Sorry. I don't know if Gunther Steiner is necessarily the man to help a kid get over his temper. I was going to say hot tip for next season. Nikita Mazepin will fuck smash Gunter's door at some point. Mark my words. Mm-hmm. Drive for Survive season four. going to be great. But, like, I'm worried that, like, like is how is how does Mick Schumacher feel about this moving into next it's gonna year, It's going to be a right? very confusing like, lineup, isn't it? Like, if there's any guy you're going to sort of base yourself upon, and it's the guy that's running the same machinery, that's always been the thing, right? Like, your first rival in F1 is always your teammate because they're the guy that can be the most easily compared to your performance. Like, what happens if, like, they're running, like, 13th and 14th and then, like, Mazepin tries to just turf Mick Schumacher off the grid? Like, <laughs> and what happens if Haas is being generously compensated by his father's company? Like, what happens there? Like, yeah. I can... And, like, I get why it happens. Like, you know, we're not stupid here. But the only thing that I can see happening is bad things from, like, Mazepin being put into F1 because it's not just his teammate. Like, like if you thought Max Verstappen said some choice words to oh, yeah. Stroll, like, in that practice session, which he did, that, like, you got a whole other thing coming when that guy starts getting onto the grid. Because, He's like, going to make Max Verstappen look tame. Oh, man. And at least Max Verstappen has the, as much as it shouldn't necessarily be, and I've said it should in previous days, it shouldn't be a justification. Max Verstappen at least has the God-given ability 
to back it up. Nikita Mazepin is solid, but I do see him as being someone in Formula 1 who would come in probably as a Lance Stroll at best. He will pick up some podiums maybe if things go his way. Like, he's not going to be tearing the house down like a Verstappen or a Charles or potentially even what it looks like George will be doing once he's in the machinery soon and that. Like, Mm. you know, like, you can't be, you know, you just, you can't in theory be getting away with this if you're not, you know, bringing the results. He's going to be acting like a complete knob coming home P13. Yeah, it's just gonna like, be fascinating. He will and it's not even going to be in a kind of amusing, wholesome way like Danny Kvyat. It's just going to be in a complete, straight up. I'm a cunt. Yep, it's going to be very unique. And it's just I'll yeah, be fascinated to see how it plays out. You mentioned George Russell. How soon will George Russell be in that Mercedes machinery, mate? Twenty twenty two. I know. I guess you both want to speculate the fact that that they both <laughs> took. They both, Boring. Took, George took Williams out of his um, Insta bio. Valtteri took Mercedes out of his Insta bio, and Mercedes put it's just an Insta bio. Get over it in their Insta bio, which was a fucking with a winky face. Yes, with, with a, a winky win- face, Matthew. Oh, that's the just winky Mercedes' amazing social media team. The winky face I just, is I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, because I still stand by what I said last week and everything. I just, that's not the Mercedes way. I just, Mercedes, it's not their style to just turf out a guy they already have under contract. No. What is I think... Toto will start to go out and spread rumours in the media? Because he came out and said, oh, look, we're committed to Valtteri Bottas. Bot- Bottas. We're committed Valtteri to Bottas, Bottas. But it would be a wild ride to see Russell and Hamilton race each other. Yeah, but I mean, Toto. Wild Toto, ride, Toto, Toto loves a bit of spice. That is Toto's style. A he wild loves his spice. Ride. But I just—that's the thing. Do you know what? What this weekend said for me is, I don't think Valtteri Bottas is at Mercedes in twenty twenty two, and thus possibly F one. But mm. I and I think that means this George Russell has proved he will be there. But I don't. I don't see it being fast tracked and happening next season. Mm. Yeah. But if it does, if it does, I'm just saying. There's a young Brit by the name of Callum who could use a seat. And there's a young Russian by the name of Danny who deserves a seat. Not as much as Callum Isla does. <laughs> Danny had a good race, mate. He's he did have a good race. Form. Well, I just... I I think it makes sense for Mercedes to go with Russell Nick. I don't year. disagree with that. Like, you you bring up a pro and con of everything. Like, you've, you've only signed Bottas until the end of next season anyway. Like... Would like so if if Hamilton goes next year, which we think he will, he gets up to eight. After that, what what more does he have really to prove? Like he could keep on going, like he might want to get ten, like who am I to say? But if if Hamilton gives any kind of idea to Mercedes that he's done after next season wouldn't it be better to bring the heir apparent into the team next year, have George learn under Lewis for a year? We know that George is very respectful. He'd be more than happy for the opportunity to begin with, but he also idolizes Lewis Hamilton. Like, that is who he's trying to be. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. Like, George will happily be the number two driver, like, by title, by definition, the number two driver at Mercedes. And then rather than walking into 2022 with no drivers, and then bringing in George Russell and having to try to find somebody else, wouldn't it be better to have a year where George has no expectations because rather than going into the Mercedes team when Hamilton and Bottas are gone and then Russell has to immediately assume the shoes of Lewis Hamilton and be the title-winning force that we would expect him to be, 
he then slowly gets to get into the Mercedes system, learns the ropes, and then starting from 2022, then he's more of a likely to be a, you know, championship contender because he's had a year to understand the car and understand what it's like to be in the team. And also as well, like we said with the overtake that Russell did on Bottas, like it seems like to me like Bottas, like Bottas isn't world championship material. Like we talk about it and like Alex Almond does not have it. And I don't think Valtteri Bottas has it either. Like Valtteri Bottas is pretty content with just doing what he's got to do. And then with every, every single interview that he has in the media after a race, he's just like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, it, it, it wasn't the best thing for me to be outpaced no, by George Russell in the not. race. Oh, okay. So what do you, yeah. Like what, like, do you have anything else to say? Like what, what, you, and it's like, seems the same thing as Albon where Bottas and Albon don't want to say or be honest because they know that if they are honest, like the honest answer is going to be like, yeah. yeah, like I was shit. Oh, but if you're shit and you think you're shit, why should we yeah. be investing a lot of money into you? I don't know. Oh, okay. That's a good point. Um, moving on. And it would just be great PR for Mercedes as well, where they could pretty much just, they could double stack to like one current greatest of all time into potentially the next guy to do it. And we know there's a lot of regulations and stuff coming up. You can get George yep. Russell on a pretty decent deal right now. Like, he's on, I think, a million dollars at Williams. If you give him four million dollars... That's 750. 750, even, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Valtteri at the moment is on 10 million. You're paying that guy 10 million, and that's the thing, right? Like, if Valtteri's in any other car... I don't think he goes as well. He's just driving the Mercedes. And it showed because we put George Russell into that thing with literally four days to understand it with knuckles that were grazing up against the insides of this, like the, the cockpit in smaller shoes and in a car that wasn't built for him. And he outraced Valtteri Bottas in every single metric except for the finishing position purely based yep. on like situations out of Russell's control. And I'm a George Russell dick rider, and I think he deserves it more than Valtteri. So, and Russell you know. said he hoped that the weekend had given Toto Wolff a headache, not just for 2022, but maybe sooner, which is 2021, because that is sooner than 2022. Mm. So Russell wants it, and rightly so, of course he wants it. Of course he wants it, He's yeah. wanted it since 2016, so power to him, I say. And Valtteri Bottas can just fucking go to Bali. Indeed. And now that brings us to... Abu Dhabi, the final race of the season. God, there's a race difficult to make to predictions because we don't know if Lewis will be there. But I personally will operate on the assumption that he won't be. Um, you two can do whatever you want. Um, I don't think there's anything too major to be expecting from this weekend. So I think we'll just jump straight into predictions. Jashan, third place. Oh man, I put zero thought into this, mate. Oh man. Likewise. Ah, oh, you've thrown me under the bus. Spencer, you're way better at going on the fly. Third place. Ricardo. Danny Rickmite. I will take Valtteri Bottas. Um, I'll give Checo a strong finish to the year. He'll come third. Spencer, second place. Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Max Verstappen. Um, I will go with Lewis Hamilton to come second to make a miraculous recovery from COVID and come second. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, Spencer, winning the race. George Russell. Who, who's coming second for you? I said Max Verstappen. Oh. 
I'm also going George Russell to win the race. I will go Max Verstappen to win the race. If you bet on Max Verstappen to win the race enough, eventually it'll come through for you. That's just Sean's tactic right now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Max will win at some He's point. He's fucking due. <laughs> oh, well, that's that. Um, this yeah, was fun. I think, yeah, it's been, it's, it's dragged on for quite a while, but, you know. I, think I didn't think it's dragged on. I think it was a genuinely good piece oh, not, of content. Not, like, not, oh, not in the sense of, it, language, the sense of it wasn't worth it, but we've just ended up talking an awful lot about a lot of quality stuff. Quality content. Um, but for yet another week, this has been Free of the Grid. George, really sorry about that, mate. Honestly, you had the pace today. But, uh, yeah, really sorry for, for ending up in this situation. But still, points today. And you, uh, you really showed your strength. Guys. I don't know what to say. That was taken away from us twice. Honestly. It's been a pleasure and I've loved it. And honestly, I'm gutted. I'm, I'm absolutely gutted, but... We'll give this opportunity again. I I hope we get this opportunity again. Thank you.